Welcome to the Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Hani Rambod. I'm here with my co-host, Austin, and we have a very special guest today. We've been discussing for many, many months getting on a podcast together, the one and only Milos the Mind Sarchev. How are you, Milos? Great, honey. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, nice to meet you, Austin. Very nice to meet you. Uh, you can say that we were going to have this uh, a week ago, but uh, that uh, ice storm was in, in Texas. So we had to wait until today. Listen, I'm so excited because you are one of the few people that I would really like to talk many aspects of bodybuilding, prep, dieting, training, you know, so uh, I think we are at the uh, same frequency there, but uh, I would like to get deeply into conversation. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it too. Uh, as Milos mentioned, we had this podcast scheduled a couple of weeks ago for last week, and then we had hit with the Dallas ice storm. So the studio was closed. The offices were closed. Everybody was working from home. They were calling it Dalaska. Dalaska, yeah. yeah, because it's like Dallas <laughs> becomes Alaska. Dalaska uh -huh. was here last week, and then today it's like seventy degrees outside. Yep, warmed right up. It's, but the, right. obviously, the main topic of today's podcast is going to be how you two can help me get to two hundred and sixty pounds. So Shred just keep uh, that in mind. Shredded, as, shredded two sixty. <laughs> so we'll just keep that in mind as we go into today. <laughs> where are you at? Where are you at, Austin? Where am I, oh, where am I right now? I'm like two ten. Yeah. You know, so uh, got a ways to go. That's like uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about the here. we'll talk about the uh, the Milos's uh, protocol <laughs> protocol yeah. on how to get you to fifty pounds in six weeks in six weeks deal. Um, well, so, listen, I, I just posted uh, two seconds before uh, I went online. Yeah, uh, Force MD Marcelo from Brazil, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yep. In the first six days, six kilos. So that's uh, thirteen pounds, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's my progress. So you know, Austin, uh, if you're interested, uh, we'll talk. There you go. <laughs> Deal. Sounds good. <laughs> I know a guy. There you go. <laughs> I know a guy. Exactly. That's it. That's it. Exactly. So, speaking of all, Milos, what year did you turn pro? I turned pro. Listen, um, a lot of Americans would be pissed off at me, right, and say, "Oh my God, you know, you you didn't win the nationals, you didn't win the USA's. You know, how did you get the, your pro card?" So, well, uh, Dorian Yates didn't win the USA Nationals, and uh, Ronnie Coleman did not win neither Nationals of USA, right? Right. Uh, back in the day, there was uh, every uh, country that uh, they have uh, their winner mm -hmm. could send application to the IBB, and if IBB office thinks you're good enough, they might uh, tell you, okay, send the application. So there was uh, uh, 1990 uh, Nationals that uh, I've seen um, – Wayne Amelia, and uh, I told him I'm from Yugoslavia back in the day, and uh, at that time I couldn't really travel, I couldn't go to the world championship, but uh, is this any way that uh, I can get pro differently? So then he said, do you have any pictures? And it's funny, because you're going to say like, oh man, you brought the pictures with you? And I did, I don't even know <laughs> why I did the, you know, there, there was not a, but that's uh, not strange. That yeah, there was no strange back then because back then there was no phones. To, there was no yeah. smartphones. So you couldn't turn around and just open up your smartphone and say, hey, look, here's my yeah, photo. Yeah. This is what I look like. So you brought the hard copy photos. Yeah, hard copy photos. And uh, I gave it to Ben Demilia and he goes, he's looking and I said, wait a minute. And then he goes to Jim Mannion uh -huh. and then he came back, gave me a picture. I said, uh, tell your federation to contact us. Like, holy shit. And uh, as a matter of fact, I, I even remember there was... 89 pictures from Las Vegas. Look, I was competing as an amateur like 38 times before I turned pro and, and did 72 pro shows. But as an amateur, I was doing any show that was available. So it was Orange County Master Classic, I remember. 
then I, I did uh, uh, Cali State Championship that uh, Flex Wheeler won overall. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then a week later, I wanted to compete on the West Coast. There is nothing. Oh, there is a Coastal USA Championship in Atlanta. So I went there. I won that one. And then I came to Vegas uh, for a vacation. And it was a Friday. I was in the gym. And there's a poster like, oh, uh, Las Vegas Classic. I said, I'm here. All I need to do is take a diuretic. <laughs> and, uh, and I won that one. And I won uh, actually the overall. Uh, at that time, imagine 1989. Um, there was a national qualifier and a promoter would pay for your flight and hotel to the nationals. So this is great. You know, uh, I'm going to nationals at uh, 89. There was a rally in North Carolina, uh, North Carolina. Right? So I go there. I was uh, already pumped up backstage. And I actually think that I went to the, that first round on the stage. Right. Uh-huh. And I came off the stage and they, they said, hey, hey, what's oh, your I name? I know where this is going. I know where this <laughs> yeah, is going. Yeah, what's your name? <laughs> so, oh, God. You're supposed, to be, you're, supposed to be an, uh, you're supposed to be a citizen. Citizen, right? yep. <laughs> of course. Whoa. <laughs> so, I, I, I had to speak English, right? They said, are you a citizen? No. So what the hell are you doing here? So, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm about to get ready to go on, on for <laughs> the comparison I was going to be on the stage for like a few seconds, right? And uh, that was funny. But anyway, so... I turned pro in uh, 1991. And uh, uh, as I said, 1990, they told me, uh, send the application from Yugoslavia, which I did. And then, uh, unfortunately, my father had a stroke. Uh, and then I had to go to Serbia. And I was really there with him all the time. But uh, uh, 17 days uh, before the San Jose pro show, I actually returned back. Uh, I didn't plan to compete. But you see... You have a pro card, you know, it's a small little expense, San Diego, you know, San Jose. I mm -hmm. say, why don't I just go and test it, right? You know, I, I really literally wanted to be on the stage with some of the pros. Maybe my friend is going to take a picture. Yeah. And send back to Yugoslavia. It's a big, big thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's 1991, right? It's, to be on a stage with some. And then John Brown was competing. And John Brown was like one of my idols. He was in Yugoslavia, like 83, I mean, I'll never forget his uh, his performance. I mean, there was 10,000 people, you know, uh, grandmas, grandpas were, were jumping off the seat, you know, mm -hmm. with a standing ovation, right? These kind of things. And then it was Albert Beckless. Yep. It was uh, legends. Tim Balknap, Steve Brisbane, Franco Centriello. There was yeah. like all these people. So as I'm on the stage, I remember I was number two, standing right next to uh, um, Tim Belknap and Albert Beckles. So, of course, I, I don't think in a million years they're going to call me out mm -hmm. on the first call out, right? You know, I'm just there and I'm telling my, my friend to take pictures. I'm in the lineup and posing. And then, you know, there was a, a kind of weird moment of silence. And then again, and then... I, so Ben D'Amelia was calling my name, but he couldn't pronounce. I mean, God knows what he was saying. Right? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because no, nobody ever called me by my real name. And I said, like, oh, shit. And I was in a first uh, call out with Sonny Schmidt and, and Ron Love. I actually, and this is because you're going to talk about this uh, uh uh, judging system, how it was, mm -hmm. you know, with the Bob Chikrilla, this debate that I have. Yep. I actually won Symmetry Round in my first show. That particular one, I won. I end up placing third and qualifying for Olympia in my pro debut, which you can only imagine 
you know, when you go somewhere, have zero expectations, you go there to have fun and actually become one of the boys on the stage. Next morning, I actually have to schedule muscular development, Iron Man, and Flex Magazine photo shoots. I said, what? You know, they, they all wanted to put me on a cover. So you were on <laughs> you know, Spotlight so, at that point. Yeah, this this is like... And, and Where did you place at that show? Third. Third. I qualified for Olympia. Yeah. Uh, Ron was... Uh, Ron Law was uh, a winner. Second was um, Sonny Schmidt. Albert Backless placed fifth in that one. Wow. And then if you remember, it's, it's good to mention. A week later in Niagara Falls, at the age of 61... Albert Backless won Niagara Falls Pro Show. Wow. Whoa. At yeah. the age of 61. Wow. You know, this is, uh, you know, it, my my heart always jumps. because uh, He had the freakiest arms. Mm -hmm. The arms were Freakiest just, arms, crazy conditioning. But yeah. uh, I mean, when you look at him, right, you could never say the age. Right. No, he and, didn't, uh, didn't look his age at all. Yeah. But Milos, I mean, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. You did 72 Pro Shows, which, and you won one out of the 72. <laughs> and back then- Okay, which is, I mean, again, this was an era that was very, very difficult. So I'm, I'm applauding you for all you, 72 shows in general. But at the time, we used to have a qualification system where the, there wasn't very many pro shows. And the pro shows that were there, you would be able to qualify for the Olympia when it was top three for all the pro shows. The, the Night of Champions, I believe, was top five. Mr. Olympia was top ten. To, to requalify is that is that correct i think i think it was either top six or top 10 for the olympia i'm trying to remember but top i remember 10. yes and then and then the so which show did you win and what year was it i won uh canada 97 okay uh broke up okay and then i lost uh to chris a week later at another champions he was first ever second yeah but the qualification system you're completely right top three in any pro show Top five at the NOC and uh, Arnold Classic also. Yeah, yeah Arnold Classic as well. Arnold Classic was very prestigious. And then, uh, but, but here's the problem. You know, because even back in the day, like Vince Taylor would enter all the shows and win all the shows. So here goes one one placing is right there. You know, Sonny Schmidt, you know. and uh, so, so usually you would already have uh, like three guys uh there that probably uh, are going to requalify nobody else is going to qualify right and there was a time in the early 90s that because of that you dropped down uh, they, they allowed to the uh, fourth guy to qualify right if, if all, all three were there. already qualified back in the day yeah. so again guys we we're talking about this 20 plus years Interesting. ago was that if the top three were already qualified just so yeah. that they can get more people qualified because again at the time there weren't that many shows austin it mm -hmm. wasn't like it is now yeah and yeah. now Obviously, you have to win. But what would happen is that if all three were already qualified, then the fourth place person would automatically qualify. So that was also in the time. But going back on in the 90s, well, you and I were talking and we're like, oh, God, when did we first originally met, meet? And we originally first met and I saw you for the first time in 19, I believe it was 1994. Yeah. I had just graduated high school a couple of years before, uh, great uh, before year. that. Great year. What was that? Is that you, you, no. Oh. It's a few years before I was born. Oh, but okay. yes, I was going to say, I, was gonna say <laughs> I don't think you're that old. You're younger than that. But 1994, you were getting ready for the Olympia and you had come up to Campbell, California, and I was training at World Gym. It used to be the Ironworks before that. But when I was training there, it was, it was World Gym in Campbell. Mm -hmm. And 
what had happened was I had graduated a couple of years before that and I was already competing because I was competing as a teenager. And then you'd come in and you were getting ready to do a photo shoot in the gym with California Bodywear. And California Bodywear, for those of you back in the day, they used to be really these loud colors and these stripes. And you'd have these these biker shorts that were like barber pole. And, you know, Jay used to wear them. I know which ones you're talking you about. You know, Flex yeah. Wheeler used to wear them. You'd see everybody. Uh, Aaron Baker was a big one that was to be in there. That was another guy that's a super legend that uh, one of the most underrated pros, Aaron Baker. And I remember you coming in there and you were wearing some shorts and then you took your shirt off and you were on the leg extension and they, they were shooting you. And I look over there and I'm like, wow, that guy's ripped. This guy, you know, and again, Milos was never huge, but, yeah. and then, so somebody came over to me and they're like, who is that? And I said, that's Milos. I think he's getting ready for the Olympia. And, uh, no, no, actually I asked somebody else. I said, what show is he getting ready for? And then, and then I think the owner at the gym, Mark Rifkin, I think told me at the time, he goes, he's getting ready for the Olympia. And all, and then he's just, and then I just, I didn't say anything. And then Mark looked at me and he says, well, what do you think? And I said, I don't think he's going to beat Dorian. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I was, because I was wow. the biggest Dorian Yates like fan. Cause I was like, okay, coming up is Dorian, Dorian, Dorian. By that time he had already won Helsinki in 92. It was, he had already been a, you know, 93. He just was like, in. we're cutting the podcast here. It's been great being on. <laughs> Thank you guys. <laughs> you know, this is no disrespect, but how much did you weigh in 94 Milos? I was like uh, two thirty-two. Okay, you know. So and, uh, and, and on uh, stage, though, you probably had to be a little bit lighter than that on stage by then. You know, uh, I always I had all those uh, drummers, and I was like, uh -huh. "Listen, I was actually heavier than I looked." I'm going to tell you this. Oh, really? Uh, you know, because uh, you see, look at the bones. You know, um, so uh, I, I know that. Uh, how tall are you, Milos? How tall are you? Or how uh, tall were you? Because okay, you're always I, I'm shrinked. I was. <laughs> I was. Five ten and a half. Okay, you know, seventy nine centimeters in yeah. the Yugoslavian army guarantee. I mean, I promise. Uh -huh. And, and <laughs> it's the truth the podcast. You got to tell the truth. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm now under five nine. So you've lost yeah, an uh, inch and a half. I, I promise you, but you see, my grandma from my father's side, she was quite tall by by the age of seventy. I mean, she was like uh, you know. So I think I have those genes. I promise you, if you compare my pictures with Ronnie and Dorian and who else was uh, Lex, mm -hmm. about the same height, about 5'10", five, 5'11". Five, uh, I was sense. there. That I was sense. taller than Jay. And now Jay is either stuffing his shoes. Which I, I, <laughs> he does. Jay wears lifts, man. I'm <laughs> telling you. Him and, Tom Cruise, him and Tom Cruise have Atomics shoes. I think <laughs> you're right. He's, he's got the stuffing some tissues in the atomic shoes you. underneath. Because uh, <laughs> how this happened? I, I know I shrink a little bit, but not that much. Uh, but anyway, for, for uh, 94, right? Um, and I just posted also today because I found some old footage. I have uh, VHS tapes. 94 Olympia, I was peeled beyond belief. I really, that, that, I don't know exactly when you saw me. I kind of remember photo shoot. I kind of remember exactly leg extension and all that stuff. You never said uh, hello. I mean, you should have, but now I know because you're a fan of Dorian. You didn't want to. <laughs> I, was like, I was a fan of Dorian. So I turned to him and I say, yeah. God, this guy's going to have problems against Dorian. Well, and you got to remember, Dorian just got off of 93 win. The 93 win, he, it was a big jump. So he was a monster. Those black and white photos of Dorian yeah. had come out. Kevin yeah. Horton took them. And uh, that was out in Birmingham gym at Temple Gym. He took those photos. So those just started coming out. 
the right before the next Olympia, because there was such a lag period back then. We used to call Gold's Venice and ask for the the placings, and they were saying, "We don't we don't have the placings yet. Don't you know? Don't call back." Because I kept calling, you know, it's like, "What's the placings?" Because the internet didn't really exist. Yeah. So yeah. you couldn't look on the internet to see the placing. So I would call Gold's Venice to find out. Then the pictures came out. And then next thing you know, Milos is doing the same show. And to put things in perspective, again, he's 5'10 and a half, 232 on stage versus. Left side of Dorian. Yeah. Right? Like, 5'10. Uh, the left two, side of him. 5'10, 270, 260. Yeah. Um, along, around those line, uh, around those numbers. I think he was around, his lightest was 92 Olympia. And then in 93, he made the big jump, but Ooh. that was well, well, one second. Let me just jump in because sure. you're a fan of Dorian. And then you just said before, uh, we waited for like three months, you know, uh, for mm -hmm. a flex magazine to come out and all the magazines, right? Yeah. And you would call a gold gym to find out. So you tell me how could those pictures, black and white pictures taken six weeks out of the Olympia be already in the magazine before the Olympia? Because it was the 94 Olympia. So those 93 was the, was the photos that I saw. I didn't, I don't know when those no, came no, no. out originally. No, 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 no. Uh, that was, those pictures were published before 93 Olympia. Oh, they were. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Hell yes. Because so, I know that he won the show weeks before, like he killed confidence of everyone. I mean, uh, going into the 93 up until the moment those pictures were seen and I mean, whoever sees those pictures and there was no Photoshop back in 93, right? <laughs> or at least we didn't even know about it, you know, but uh, it was no Photoshop because you see him deliver this on the stage. It was freaky. It was. Yeah. It was very freaky. And he but uh, big that conspiracy theory, you know, you would need, if you want to uh, put your, your supplement line in, uh -huh. in a Flex magazine, the earliest you could get is three months from uh, that Cor day. Correct. Right? Correct. And those pictures made it on the pages before the show and... Uh, you know, he won the show. Yeah, I didn't realize that they actually came out before the show. I remember seeing them because they, obviously, they still Trust me. circulate. Trust me. But you're a big, big uh, Dorian fan. Uh, were you a fan all the way through? I uh, think of course. That I was a fan, fan right? yeah, to a degree, because just, I liked I liked his mental fortitude, right? Like, I, I also believed, I, I followed Arthur Jones and Arthur mm -hmm. Jones' training style which eventually he created Nautilus and high intensity training and then Mike Menzer and a lot of those things. And that's a lot of the things that I believed in because I tried many different methods of training as I was a teenager and I was coming up and I was competing as a natural bodybuilder. And so when I saw that Dorian Yates was using that, I said, wow, okay, great. Um, somebody who's actually being a little bit more cerebral, somebody who's actually thinking about their training. And so when I was in high school and I was reading and I was seeing that he was actually starting to follow some of the people that I was following in regards to the books and a lot of the different types of training methodologies. Back then it was books. It wasn't the internet. It wasn't, you know, you'd get the magazines and you'd get the books. Magazines would sensationalize different things that were quote unquote weeder principles. And then we would turn around and read if you really wanted to be uh, focused on understanding different techniques and muscle fibers and type one, type two, and trying to figure out volumization methods versus strength and torque. And I can sit down and really break these things. Those are the things that I would nerd out about. And then I would really nerd out about arginine, ornithine, and amino acid profiles and how to increase your natural growth hormone as a natural bodybuilder. And that's what got me into a lot of the bodybuilding, uh, supplements, especially mm -hmm. the natural ones. Um, 
pharmaceutical stuff like that, you start to learn as you start to progress and you're trying to work up the ranks and that's a whole different, uh, <laughs> you know, subject matter. <laughs> but one of the things that I really enjoyed is being able to understand different methodologies because most people didn't have them. They just took a bunch of gear, they trained hard and they didn't always train smart. And then what they would do is some people who had really good genetics would really trigger growth. And then the ones that didn't would just either hit a plateau or they would just end up not, you know, kind of fizzling out. And that's where I was just really always trying to learn and understand. And that was back when we didn't have internet, we didn't have social media, we didn't have these things. So I was always trying to find the people with the worst genetics that made the most amount of improvements and ask them about how, how, you know, what kinds of techniques helped get your calves big and how did you end up breaking those plateaus? So to try to derive the best information from people that I can turn around and be able to use for myself when I was competing. So, uh, I mean, uh, you study Arthur Jones, Mike Manzer, then you seen Dorian Yates. Mm -hmm. Did you try to apply this heavy duty uh, on yourself? Yes, absolutely. Um, you did? Okay. Yes, I did. And I felt personally it, it was okay, but I liked the volumization method more. And so what I did was I get, when I created FSC seven training, it, it was a combination of hit with high volume. So it's not quite, um, I know you do a lot of like, you know, a giant sets and you have like almost like a German volume training type of principles, right? No, no, I, I actually, you'll be surprised. It's uh, very similar to, I do both okay. heavy and light. Okay. Sacroplasic myofibrillar hypertrophy. I do always both one and two, but I'm going to tell you this because that's interesting. Now at that time you, you, you know, idolize maybe uh, Dorian and then you uh, read about uh, his technique. I actually had a opportunity to meet him, right? Uh -huh. And uh, you know, it's okay. You know, uh, I remember this. I was training legs '95 after the Olympia in uh, Gold's Venice, and he came in with uh, Leroy, his uh, training partner. Who, by the way, I was going to use the same line that I used for Leroy, Leroy for Austin. Austin, shut up! You talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, really quick on this one, I'm like, I'm just taking all this in. I'm like taking notes on this yeah. one and absorbing a lot of this. This is going to be how you happening right here. Fifty pounds of muscle. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get yeah. there. This crossed my mind because uh, you know, uh, Honey and I are talking and you're being polite and listening. But but this is uh, the the case. He came with Leroy. I was training legs. I remember I was on a squat rack. I love squats. I was strong at it. So he said, oh, honest, you know, too bad you're doing legs, you know, uh, I was going to train legs with you. Like, oh, Dorian's going to train legs with me? I said, oh, when are you training? Tomorrow. I'm coming tomorrow. I'm training legs. Of course. How can you miss on that opportunity, right? Sure. So I trained with him there. I trained with him in Birmingham in his gym a couple of times and in my Colosseum gym a few times. And uh, I promise you, I didn't believe that this is all he does. You know, it's kind of how can you just, you know, warm up one set and then go all out? You know, for, for me, this is a, there's no way. He, he was true to himself. I mean, really, he was so meticulous in uh, execution. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. And then he was using quite a heavy weight for type of execution that he was doing. I mean, you have to give him a credit. And he was under that same belief, if you can nail the nailed with one hit, why keep hitting and all that stuff, right? Yep. For me, and I've seen many heavy-duty guys, everybody that I know of had a multiple tears, yes. multiple injuries, and it's just like not a matter of if it's going to happen, it's just when it's going to happen. That's, that was so, the number one thing, by the way. I was going to make a note of that. 
that I felt that was the big downside is that yeah. how can you try to minimize the muscle trauma to the point of injury? Cause that's what I saw a lot of other people who were using similar training methods, whether it was just straight hit, whether, you know, whatever variation of that Dorian style training, a lot of muscle tears, quad yeah. tear. I mean, if you look at Dorian, he had a quad tear, he had a bicep tear, he had a tricep tear. I think he tore his hamstring. I, there's a bunch of different things. It's like a laundry list. But yeah. it's one of those things where, yeah, it's something may work, but if you have that many issues with muscle tears, then the net positive is not going to be very good in regards to the investment that you're going to make. I'm sure that uh, you advise this to your uh, athletes nowadays. You know, the only thing that it can stop you is injury. So please, you know, make sure at any cost to avoid it. I mean, the whole concept of all out, if you're really all out, what does it mean? All, everything, including muscle, tendon, ligament, you know, how can you differentiate and say, okay, muscle, you do the work. Okay, tendon, don't be involved. Right. I mean, you know, so it's, uh, but uh, most importantly, you think that the 94 Dorian deserved to win? <laughs> oh, you know, I wasn't at the show in 94. I hadn't started going to the Olympus until the late 90s. So everything that I saw in the pictures, I thought it could have went either way. So it was very difficult for me. Uh, a lot of the guys after 94, 95, when did he tear his bicep, 95? Before 94, yeah. Okay. So, no, so he was already uh, with the torn biceps, 94 on the stage. Okay, so 94, when that happened, everybody questioned, well, how does he score in the symmetry or what, go what goes on or is it the overall package? And I think that when I saw the photos, I saw some photos that still said that he was like, you had to knock the champ out. So therefore he still wins or do you turn around and do it? Obviously you have an opinion on that. What's your opinion on it? <laughs> well, well, listen, I mean, uh, was uh, big Rami knocked out and he slipped all the way to the fifth. I mean, you know what I mean? So uh, there is always God. We have so much good stuff uh, yeah. to talk about. As soon as I heard that, <laughs> I was like, talk oh, a little we got bit some about big Rami. We got the Arnold. <laughs> we got to talk about yeah. all of these great um, yeah. <laughs> subjects. Uh, so, okay. okay, can I use this moment to talk about the judging a little bit? So, I introduce uh, Austin. Uh, actually, can I turn this around and uh, do it as a questionnaire? Because obviously, Austin, you're a fan of bodybuilding, yeah. right? For years. How would you define what is a bodybuilding contest? I mean, if you would tell your mom that has no clue, what is a bodybuilding contest all about? What I would say... I would say that there's differing schools of thoughts when it comes to that. And I have a little bit of a different perspective growing up, looking at a lot of old, old school classic bodybuilding because my uncle was a bodybuilder back in the 60s and 70s. And so I would always look at classic physiques from back in the day. That's what I always admired and looked at. And so I would say that my description would be a little bit different. There are some people who either go the route of symmetry, conditioning, and size and the combination of all of those and the flows of the physique. But then I would say that there are those who look at it like a freak show. And I feel like there's kind of a differing perspective when it comes to that and that leads very much in, into where you would see those people placing so what would we want to have you think about all of us if you want to make this sport better okay and your mother is asking okay mm -hmm. so a bodybuilding is a physique show so the best physique wins yeah. how do you find do you find a best physique and how you de determine that i okay? would I, I would lean into symmetry 
small waists flow of a physique while combining. So the second that the size starts to compromise those things is when I would back it off and, and start to reward the smaller waists and the better flow in physiques. You define a bodybuilding, not a muscle building. Mm -hmm. It became from bodybuilding, beauty of a sport. And I'm going to tell you, because you probably don't know. In the early 90s, when I competed, there was a three distinctive different rounds that have specifics. The first was about what you said, shape, balance, proportion, symmetry, mm -hmm. aesthetics. Mm -hmm. Okay. You cannot pose. Stand, relax, front, side, back. This is how you're being judged. And that's how I won that first round in the first pro show that I tell you. I look like a man's physique, doesn't matter, but uh, you know, I still won that. <laughs> well, no, men's classic physique. I mean, you look <laughs> like a men's classic physique. Guy yeah. Because that's <laughs> because if you look at your if you look at your proportions, and I know where you're going with this, but I think that you have to also take a look and say, well, look, there's other divisions that have been put into the IFBB as well as the NPC so that it will actually grant somebody the ability to be able to do well with proportionality. So if you have a weight class now with in the pro show, i.e. men's uh, men's classic physique, what's going to do, they're going to do is they're going to really judge the shoulder to waist and you, because it keeps a cap on your weight. So it's trying to really define a look with open bodybuilding. It's really about the overall mass, but it's also, I think obviously this year there's been a little bit of a change with hottie and, and Derek taking one too. But when you turn around and you look at it, they're really rewarding in men's classic physique, similar to what you were a part of 20 years, 30 years ago. And I think that's where the evolution has kind of branched out because okay. I know that the, the, the conversations that you have online right now with Bob Ticcarillo and those for you that don't know what's going on, there's a difference between posing rounds and being scored and not and, po and posing rounds not being scored. And in the past, the symmetry round had a specific score. You had a comparison muscularity round, and then there was also a posing round. Correct, Milos? Yeah, yeah. But uh, if I can just sure. complete, uh, I, I was trying to convince Absolutely. Austin. Right? I use because if I convince Austin, then uh, we can convince all the other people in the world <laughs> listeners, right? So. I ask him why, what, how does he define bodybuilding contest? So bodybuilding contest back in the nineties were exactly this three rounds. First was a symmetry. Okay. Then second was muscularity. When they choose eight different poses, actually there was seven back in the day, but the uh, uh, most muscular was added eight poses from front side and back. Did they uh, find that this is minimal amount of poses that we can see everything we want to see. Mm -hmm. Speaking biceps and hanging triceps, V taper, X frame, sweeping ties, everything, everything here, front, back, side. That's muscularity round, and that's judged that way. And then third round, they say posing. It's posing. It's not posing round. And this, this is what pisses me off because they keep uh, uh, confusing choreography, dance, the way you move. My bones can move if I have no muscle. What is posing routine for? I show zero muscle, you know, no, the, the, this was individual posing round where you can show the strengths of your physique other than mandatories. And that's why I keep, and that's why I would ask you, Austin and uh, Annie, think of Arnold Schwarzenegger, top five best poses, not mandatories, mm -hmm. twisting back, mantis pose, you know, Frank Zane, you know, whoop, 
this one, you know, vacuum, you know, the, his most muscular kind of uh, think Sergio Leva, Victoria. I mean, we fall in love in bodybuilding, looking at those pictures, and that was a, that, that was a contest. So to define right now, as it is, we have a Mr. Eight Mandatory Poses. This is who wins. It's not who has the best body, you know, symmetrically, aesthetically, with a mass and, uh, and mandatories. And then show me what else you got. So the, the thing that I have an argument with uh, Bob, obviously, he says, oh, everything is considered. Not, no, it's not, because athletes were encouraged to practice only mandatories. All this other shit doesn't matter. You, you want to tell Arnold, hey, Arnold, you just wasted all these beautiful poses of yours that you did? That, that doesn't count. Don't do him. Frank, all these poses, it's for nothing. Lila Brada, why are you doing these poses? We just want to see these eight poses. Well, Lila Brada would catch the eye. And, oh, that's like 30 beautiful poses that I haven't seen in the mandatories. Okay, now I have a maybe more reason to give you, Lila Brada, placing over somebody that maybe beat you in mandatories. Mm -hmm. Okay, but it's not Mr. Eight mandatory poses. It's Mr. Olympia, best physique in the world. So even now to open that kind of worm, because I know you have a, a athletes that they're at the top, number one and number two. Uh, and you think, okay, open bodybuilding is for mass. You want to shape, go to classic. <laughs> classic, again, look for a criteria in classic, what you want to look. This is still bodybuilding. Are you going to, like uh, Austin said, go with the shape and bodybuilding or just freak, freak me out uh, muscle building? Mm -hmm. So there it is. What we looked at, and uh, that's why you were a fan of Dorian, Dorian had a combination of, I mean, balance is there. V taper was there, X frame was there. All the mandatories was phenomenal, right? Mm -hmm. It's it was not my cup of tea. I would for sure go with uh, Kevin Lebroni and Flex Wheeler and you know Sean Ray. For me, that's bodybuilding. But uh, of course, that was overwhelming mass, so much size, so much width, so much condition, and he wins pose by pose. And then I, I can see how judges can award him. Sure. But they didn't have a courage to say, well, we don't want that direction. We want this direction. You know, so even now, I mean, uh, which direction are you going to go? For me, Hadi is most complete. I mean, it's most beautiful. Zero weaknesses. Everything is there. The best combination of size, width, balance, completeness, conditioning, front to side to back. I mean, who? Uh, when I talked to Jay, he kind of mentioned, I don't know if you hear it, before the Olympia, like, he had a kind of boxiness to his physique, right? Mm -hmm. he, again, and that was funny coming from Jay, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> you know? Shots fired. Shots fired. Shots fired. Say shots fired. <laughs> Unbelievable. You know, uh. as, he was saying, as he was saying, I just brought the mirror in front and back, you know, but, but, uh, <laughs> I have a zero. Uh, I seen a Hardy winning 2019 mm -hmm. and 2020, mm -hmm. you know, uh, 21. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, easily. Now, when you bring Derek into equation and now Austin, if you can imagine now you have to judge. If I have to judge 
Heidi and Derek in a symmetry round. Okay. That's a front side and back. Derek has a, as complete as uh, Hardy is, mm -hmm. Derek has that God-given shape and V taper that is never before seen. Okay? okay. And beauty to it, right? Mm -hmm. Ooh. So now. <laughs> <laughs> it's so animated. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you see, if you and I have to judge. Yeah. You know, because it's easy. What the Bob says right now, it's all considered all blended in. No, that's the easy way out. Put yeah. the finger on it. Okay. It's yeah. an easy way out. I, but, but I think, but, but, but just, just, I'm, I'm going to hear you out, but then I'm going to go ahead and give you my, yeah, my, my I want to, I want to hear yeah, your my, opinion. Yeah. My opinion on it, but go ahead, go ahead and finish up. Okay. So, so what do we have mm -hmm. in recent years, like 15 years or so guys are encouraged to just do mandatory poses in the free posing routine because it does not count. It, it counts worth of shit. You can do all these fancy poses and moves and doesn't matter. It doesn't count. It's not going to change the score or anything. Why? Now, when you have a Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Villa Brada, mm -hmm. and this type of physique, they're going to invent 30 different poses to glorify their physique. They look phenomenal. Oh, my God. Right. And they're going to put in a routine that's going to entertain the crowd. And the crowd is going to go to the bodybuilding shows at night. And they're going to say, like, hold on a second. This is not over. You know, after the prejudging, you know, halftime, you know, this guy is winning. But here he has to perform. He has to bring something that can overtake the other guy. So it brings value any which way you look at it. Guys are going to be forced to raise the bar. Right. Right now, nobody practice. Like you, I have many clients. And then I say, okay, you know, what is your posing routine? You have a music here? I don't have one. So what? I don't have one. I'm going to improvise. Right. Holy shit. So, but this is where we came to. This is allowed. Aren't we supposed to improve in every aspect of our life in, in anything in bodybuilding? Should we make a better posing routines, better competition, more exciting audience is going to go wild. They're going to, Ooh, no, sure. just do the mandatory stick your tongue out, walk left and right. And that's all you need to do. Right. And those guys work it off. And I promise you, me as the biggest fan of bodybuilding, I can't even watch those routines. I watch, you know, a few selected that would put some effort, but to see them do the same mandatory poses they did in that first minute. And then in the second, in comparison, it's the same thing. And now, like I didn't see you already doing this, I've seen you. Right. And that's going to be in confirmation round, it's going to be one more time. You're going to, okay, show me something, bodybuilding. I'll tell you just very quickly, and then I'll let you speak. Sorry, then. Thank you so much, time. Uh, Johnny Jackson was uh, on an old school, old school podcast like Tuesday, and then he was also complaining. Oh, Milos, you know, you have one minute, and then let the guys rest behind the stage and say, "I said, you want to tell me that you built this physique for years and years, and uh, dieted and lift all this way, and then you you just want a one minute to show your physique and then let me rest backstage. I don't want to work too hard. I mean, Kevin Lebroni, Lila Brada, Vince Taylors, you know, he would you would have to get them off the stage because they would stay there all day. Yeah, I remember right? that. And that's the way so do do me as a as a spectator want to see somebody that enjoys themselves and they want to show us 
or they just want to, okay, I have to be there. Just look at me briefly and I'm going to walk off. Yeah. So, I, so do you think that contest would improve by bringing some changes? Which changes do you think are reasonable? So I think there's a couple of different things going on. Number one, you have a symmetry round, which when they do quarter turns, you're looking at everybody's shape. And obviously we're going to use the example you used with Derek Lunsford. He has very good V taper. He has a very great X frame. So he really pulls ahead in that. When you're doing the mandatory poses, you have Hottie who is very dominant with muscle maturity, density, conditioning, front to back, uh, on the sides, everything. So then all of a sudden Hottie pulls forward on that and he has a more complete look because he has more, he has more mature muscle as of right now. Now, ultimately you, we've all seen many, many people who try to focus too much on their shape, uh, carrying their shape forward, expecting that to be able to win and coming in 80% conditioning. So there's a conditioning component as well. So it's muscularity conditioning. So that's already kind of going on right now without those poses. Now I know that at some point in the last 20 years, there has been a shift with that posing round not being judged because of what Bob Chicarillo is saying. I know what you're saying, but I also think that what Bob is also saying is saying that they're mixing that together. And then when people were saying, what about the art form of showing your poses? Shouldn't that be part of it? And I think because it's become a more analytical with the mandatories, what they did was they gave the posing award, the $10,000 check, and a lot of those things were given in its own category because some people that didn't have the best uh, physique, but they had a very good routine would end up winning that. Yeah. But can I, can I just say, sure. sorry, sorry, I apologize because I get too excited. It was not, <laughs> it's very <laughs> excited to be on the podcast. Yeah. But, but here is the, the facts that are important to consider. Yeah. Uh, it was not that posing round was taken out. Both symmetry and posing round was taken out at the same time, okay? Which we don't need it. And like you said, that artistic posing, it was never about the posing. Mm -hmm. You want to show appreciation and give $10,000 posing award for the performance, entertainment, mm -hmm. artistic value, beautiful. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't belong to the judging of physique. But isn't Bob? But isn't Bob saying that that's being built into it? Because what's happening is you're they're combining it. So you're okay. saying you prefer it to be split up in regards to the actual judging is what you're. What saying. is more precise? Uh, you know, you tell me. If I have a commodity, I'll just uh, blend all three together. I don't have a responsibility of putting my name as a judge. It is a in aesthetics uh, symmetry balance proportion. I'm putting my numbers down. Here it is. This is this is how it was for years. This is how I was actually gaining momentum in the competitions in the, in the symmetry round. Then I would be killed in muscularity, right? And yeah. you know things like that. And I have no problem. And I'm not saying this is bad. This just what is uh, if you have a three filters to filter your business right now, mm -hmm. three specific companies that are analyzing everything. Their expertise, their expertise. Okay. Or let's just blend it out. It's good. We're doing good. Okay. Three filters. If we have taking symmetry away, they reduce aesthetic component of physics. And you could see it. Right. That 
by the, this is by definition for sure they reduce aesthetics. Then uh, muscularity, these are those eight poses. So let's be honest. Let's call this is Mr. Olympia eight uh, mandatory poses. Because you're not going to judge the twisting back shot. You're not going to archery shot. You're not going to do all these other poses that, you know. Right. Now, you. how did Arnold win those titles? Think about well, it. Well, I think it was a different time back then, too. When you had the time where the judging has evolved. So, it's you're talking about classic bodybuilding. That's what I consider classic bodybuilding. Where a lot of those different poses really mattered because... Sergio could there's like a handful of people that can pull off a Sergio pose It was never a part of the mandatories It was something that was added if you felt you look at I mean you remember the moon pose the moon pose Moon pose is not allowed. It's illegal, right? For those of you that don't know this is the, the moon pose. Do you know about the moon pose? I'm trying to think of, I could buy a picture. Yeah, you're bending over Yeah, it's you're bending over got it got it right? got it and that was a thing because people wanted to show off their hamstrings Yeah, so you turned around and you just bent over and it was now it's Gets been, a job it's done, been, but it was, it was yep. been banned. Yeah. So when you look at these different type of artistic poses, every person has their strength and weakness and the posing round is it's being used in the posing round. I don't know if it is though, if you don't mind me kind of interjecting and that's where actually I really, really like what you said there. And I think that this is something that I've always had a viewpoint on specifically. And I know that you guys both obviously have more experience than I have years on me even total, but Back when I was competing, I would spend a minimum of one hour per day posing. I just, during prep, one hour per day posing. And what I would do is, and nobody else around me in any of the gyms that were usually full of competitors would do this, is I would just put on music and then just go and just come up with stuff. And you would end up in random poses where you'd be like, that actually looks kind of cool. And then kind of manipulate that a little bit and work on it a little bit more. You would develop something that isn't a mandatory pose or it's not something that's very, very common, but fits for your physique specifically. And I think that that's what I'm seeing is a lot of the guys that will practice posing nowadays will go in and they will do their set of mandatories to music. And that's what's become kind of almost the most disappointing part to me is you have a lot of these guys that probably due to their shape could come up with something entirely new and really, really, really special. And I do think that there should be some way of incorporating that. But so many posing routines nowadays are just a set of mandatories to music. And it doesn't have that special, like each person's like a WWE character where they have their cool special thing per person. I just don't really feel like that exists right now. Well, this isn't the WWE, number one. <laughs> well, yeah, but, yeah. But yeah. number two, also, it you're trying to get through a bodybuilding show with yeah. hundreds of people that are competing in it. Even at the Olympia, there was 400 people competing. So I think that they're trying to be able to combine some different things. But would be interesting to see what the rebuttal is. I mean, you see... I. Obviously, I haven't. I've, I've just been able to pick up a little bit of what Bob was saying and what you were saying. And but for me personally, if some of those things, when you see, for example, the guys in classic physique, um, mm -hmm. you look at Dino, you look at Chris, you see those guys, and those guys, they're throwing a lot of that in there because their their physiques are reminiscent of the classic. And I think that what you're basically trying to surmise and say is the fact that you would like to see that in the open is more people embracing that and actually creating a round that would be judged in showing the different aesthetics of the physique. This is uh, uh, bodybuilding is how it all started and then they evolved. Right. Why did they bring the classic physique? Because they start losing the beauty mm -hmm. and those classic poses and classic physiques. Sure. And okay, so you can't get that big. So I give you height and weight ratio and you have to fit in this. Right. It's all beautiful. Okay. 
It's still not even a classic bodybuilding. That's classic physique, because uh, I mentioned that example. But why? What do you What do you see as the difference between yeah, classic yeah. physique and classic yeah. bodybuilding? 2019, if you remember, you watched and uh, uh, Chris beat Brian and uh, George Peterson. Okay, in any sense of bodybuilding contest, if that was classic bodybuilding, they smoked him. Okay. Okay. They only had a front double biceps, back double biceps, right? And uh, Chris didn't have a neither back or bicep. And those guys had a crazy back and biceps and complete physique, right? Mm -hmm. So, and as I was making these comments, then Chris Acido said like, wait, 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 you know, this is different rules. This is classic physique and they look for a structure. They look for different things. Right. Okay. You know, excuse me, my ignorance. I didn't know. But I love classic physique. Look, those guys pose their asses off. It's beauty. I mean, those are the routines you want to see. Mm -hmm. right? That's why we all. But as I'm hearing you, uh, honey, you're kind of agreeing that, hey, leave open bodybuilding to freak me out show, not to uh, impress me, you know. Make it beautiful. Let me say, wow, look at that physique. Look at these physiques. Okay, so I understand. But it's, again, it's muscle building, bodybuilding. So you kind of agree that it's enough if you just do the eight mandatory poses. I, I don't I'm okay with it because I do see that they are checking the symmetry round. Now, I, you know, you have a different perspective because you came up with mm -hmm. those divisions being judged on paper back in the day. Mm -hmm. And now that they've combined some of those. So I understand where your point of view is, but in my point of view, it is happening because if it didn't happen, it wouldn't, the guys that are the smaller 212 guys that they would call them, Hottie and Derek wouldn't, uh, William Bonac, those guys that were all used to start it off at 212 now are up in the top five. I mean, William has been as high as second place at the Mr. Olympia as well. And, mm -hmm. and I do not want to take away from the fact that we do need to talk about the Arnold classic. Cause you have, yeah. you have a guy in the show that I, we want to talk about and also everybody else. But the thing is, I believe that there's ways of doing things and trying to culminate with bodybuilding and classic. I know what a lot of you guys that want like classic bodybuilding and I love classic bodybuilding too. And I've become more appreciative of it now that I've worked with Chris. I mean now, because again, I, I'll be honest with you in 2019, I wasn't there watching Chris. So I can't even uh, comment on the Breon versus Chris because I wasn't really studying it because I didn't have anybody in the division. So I wasn't sitting down and studying it. I was worried about Hottie getting a visa and Hottie coming in and competing in 2019. <laughs> and and honestly, I do agree with you. I think that he could have won that show and it would have been a great uh, uh, thing. And a lot of people thought that he could have been higher than third that he placed in his first uh, Olympia debut. But I think that ultimately what it comes down to is that look that you're showing on stage that is a classic physique look, classic bodybuilding, classic physique, call it. What a lot of fans want to see is more of those artistic poses. I saw Chris doing a lot of those poses this year when in his routine. I saw a lot of the different athletes using those artistic poses. But from what you're saying is you'd like for that to be more formally judged. Look, here it is. Are you judging uh, best physique or just eight mandatories? Because uh, that's the bottom line. I think, I think so what you're going to, what's going to happen is if they start judging that it's going to be much more subjective, right? No, because, it's because much more objective now, no, no, it's I think it's more objective when you have eight mandatories because it's more black and white. When you start to judge somebody's, okay, so let's say one 
one athlete does a twisting back double bicep and it looks amazing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then the guy next to him is doing a Sergio shot. Which mm -hmm. one is going to carry more weight? Okay. So, so, so this is how it is. Okay. They already have a clear picture of what they look like mm -hmm. in a symmetry and muscularity already. Right. So they already have vision. This is it. And they have their placings. Okay. But now I have that chance to show you maybe a little bit extra and you see like, whoa, the multiplication of these beautiful poses right here, that shows that this physique is, you know, way better. Maybe. Okay. Now he showed me all that. This guy didn't. Maybe I want to put him ahead. Okay. And the next time that guy that lost because, uh, okay, I was just focusing on this eight managers. This is equivalent to go to the boxing match and say, okay, you can use the uppercut. Just use, uh, you know, this or uh, uh, no three-point shoots or no mm -hmm. slam dunk in the basketball. Hey, body bodybuilders pose. You're supposed to pose. Football players play football. Fighters fight. You pose. But you're limited to these eight poses? What the hell? The whole bodybuilding was based on Larry Scott, Sergio Oliva, Franco, Serge Nubray, all these guys, Arnold. On the beautiful poses, other than mandatories, those eight were just picked to be sufficient. I say minimal, minimal to to gauge everything. Mm -hmm. Okay, be gauged because otherwise it would be hundred poses. Right. So let's exactly these eight uh, most mandatories and look, give them more value. I mean, I don't know. I'm just throwing the you give them a higher percentage. Like uh, fitness has a more for routine and less for this. I mean, I don't know. So are I you just, saying, are you, let me ask you this. Are you saying because you want Samson Dowda to win certain, <laughs> <laughs> certain listen, poses, listen. you want to no, change no, no, that? No, I, you see, I, I promise you this. Uh -huh. Samson, I'm a big fan of Derek. Uh -huh. Okay. I'm a big fan of, of Hadi. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Andrew Jack. Yeah. Yeah. So. Now, I know, and I know you are because you've been very, very. Yeah. I mean, listen, and, and, it's it. like, and they say, I'm Nick, uh, uh, hater. I'm not, I love the guy. I'm just. I like physiques that I like and I don't like, and I speak about it. So when you say open is open, classic is classic. How are you going to classify Andrew Jack or mm -hmm. Derek mm -hmm. or Brandon Curry or uh, Samson? Okay. Is this anything classic to them? Yeah. A lot of classic with the size. Right. So open bodybuilding that has that classic component we still do we want a superman or we want a hulk do we want a beauty or we want a beast it's i mean i don't know what we want but define I, it as i think uh, it's all very sport. subjective i don't think it's an objective sport that's why it's it, a guy that's five foot five five six can beat somebody who's six two and vice versa and i think that somebody who's very wide can get beat by somebody who's more narrow because somebody who's more narrow who's got more 3d muscle can turn around and beat somebody that's wider there's there's a lot of different components but i think that in open bodybuilding it's some of it has to do with wow factor i really do and i've been on both sides of that you know i've my, had my athletes lose to um um Rami, Big Rami, and Big Rami is just a monster guy, and I've seen him, and I think his peak was several years ago, and he may be able to gain it back, so I'm not saying anything about him right now, because I can't wait to see him on stage at the Arnold this year, but he's a freak, but when you have a guy that is like a Derek or a hottie versus them, it's very different, but what you're trying to do is you're trying to look at a 
picture, when they pose, where is your eye drawn? Where is your eye keep going back to? That's what open bodybuilding really is. And it's not just, hey, this guy does this quarter turn, uh, you know, uh, three quarters back bottle bicep. And this other one is doing a Sergio pose or this other one is doing an archer pose. And so that, again, I think brings in more of that subjective nature to me where when I look and they're all doing a front double bicep or they're all doing a most muscular, where's my eye going? Where's my eye going? So that's where it is because just because you're bigger doesn't mean you're better. And I think that we saw that at the Olympia this year. And I think that that's being rewarded, but I do think I understand what you're saying, but I do think it's a bit of your nostalgia that's speaking for you because you, because that was you too. I think that when you come over, you would have been a classic bodybuilder, not, you know, classic physique competitor, not an open bodybuilder at two thirty. 225, 230, that's your weight class. I've almost, yeah, that's, I think that's about it. Cause I know, well, Chris is 240 at 6'1, uh, yeah. and he's at 240. So you would have been like probably like 215, 220, kind of like Dino if you had to suck down. But again, it would depend. Maybe with what you know now, maybe you would have been bigger back then. But yeah. uh, we'll talk about that too, because I do want to talk about a lot of other things. But going back to this, I think, this one. what's that? I don't want to drain you with the. With yeah, the, I mean, uh, I mean, I, we we don't want yeah, you know. So my my thing is, I do right appreciate your 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 viewpoint, but I do think that it's one of those things where, if you look at it, you know, going into the Olympia or the Arnold right now, the Arnold is several weeks away. Uh, you have a Samson doing the show, and I know there's been a lot of talk between Samson and Nick Walker and talking about Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> right. I mean, that's, that's kind of how, I mean, right. Isn't that which, how you, how you, how you define it? It, it is. Uh, and listen, with okay. all the respect, um, we, we, Nick is uh, one of the most popular guys out there, right? Yes, he is. And, uh, rightfully so. It's very likable guy and mm -hmm. hardcore bodybuilder, true, passionate lifts, uh, his crazy condition and all that stuff, but still, right. Is this bodybuilding or muscle building? If it's just muscle building. Okay. I understand. We already going that direction. You were not there uh, right after the Olympia when uh, I was asked at the Muscle Development interview uh, about placing uh, and just asked that one question specifically. Sure. How did uh, Nick Walker's physique beat uh, Samson's physique? Mm -hmm. Okay. And Jose Raymond ju just jumped right on conditioning. Mm -hmm. And that was a little bit better conditioning that, yeah, you you have to account that for. I understand. And that's what you're saying. Uh Considering even the shape, even muscularity, everything, you know, if you are shapely but not conditioned, you should be penalized. And there are levels, and I'm I'm sure. So I, I agree with that. Now, so some, where would you where would you have had Nick Walker then? Uh, yeah, I, I would have him. Uh, uh, I would have him fourth after Samson, yeah, because Brandon was still a little off. And uh, then I would uh, I would put Brandon and then a big Grammy and then uh, Andrew Jack. Okay. Brandon of Labrada, if you ask me, even, you know, everything considered, uh, I would still think because it's multiplication of shape, aesthetics, everything, sure. right? So if you're using uh, that, I'm going to counter that. So mm -hmm. then why does Samson beat Andrew if, if conditioning isn't going to be as much of a focus? Give me how you would see... Andrew versus Samson at the Olympia. At if the you Olympia? Were judging. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We're just, Olympia, I'm going by the Olympia yeah. now because I'm trying to get your perspective. More balance uh, as far as thickness. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
uh, uh, lower body, upper body balance, thickness, legs, hamstring, you know, hanging, all that stuff. Uh, just overall thickness. Andrew is wider, mm -hmm. wider structure. And he has a crazy uh, ability to look even more ripped than he is because he had those, this uh, separation, crazy abs, you know, beautiful, beautiful. Standing, relaxed. Uh, I said that that uh, Jake Hollis. Standing, relaxed. Yeah, I, I can see Andrew beating him. Uh, a lot front lat spread. Yeah, I can see there too. Okay, even front of biceps. But then they turn to the side. You know, Samson dominates him with the thickness, roundness. You know, the just brutal. You know, round chest, round shoulders, uh, hanging hamstring. You know, from the back. You know, still Samson beats uh, Andrew. You know, for, for me. So you have him know, beating him in the back double bicep and in the rear lat spread. Yeah, both. Yeah. Okay. Both. It's not. It's not a slam dunk. It's not uh, uh, Derek Lansford slam dunk back double biceps and uh, Hadi, but it, it was uh, a comparator to yes. Uh, I would still give it to uh, Samson, which it, it might uh, be a different story at the Armour Classic. You know if. Both on tighten up and who has the ability to show more. Absolutely. You see, the, just when you look at the skin and everything and separation tie-ins, yeah, you can think that maybe Andrew can, if he's really ripped and dry, mm -hmm. he can pop more into your in your face. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that could happen. But still, can you really build the thickness, uh, you know, from the side? And then when you get this kind of condition. Kind of same thing what you did with Hadi. You sacrifice conditioning a little bit mm -hmm. just to give him a 10 extra pounds. Mm -hmm. So now if you're going to go with uh, uh, Andrew to go a little bit down, uh, is his hamstring going to still hold on from the side that is already kind of weak? You know, that uh, it's a half of the body. Yeah, so listen, going into the show, mm -hmm. I said Andrew and uh, Samson are my biggest favorite. I, this is this is why I want to be the you know uh, competing for top two. For me. Because you like the shape guys. Yeah, I like the shape guys. That's right. plenty of size. But you got to remember, the, the, that's why I think, but also what Nick brings is he does give a freak factor, right? So that's when he's up on stage, he does have a freak factor. So you can't discount that it's too. It's tough Milos. though when you look at, because then, you know, okay, and I'm just going to preface this. I, you know, you have to preface everything on the internet these days. The tough part about bodybuilding is when you are saying that you don't like something, you're saying you do not like the person. And that's the tough part. It's not like, oh, this yeah, person performed yeah. a certain way in their sport, whatever other sport it might be. It's not like if somebody's a basketball player and you're like, oh, they didn't perform great that day. You can see on paper that they didn't. When you're saying that you're not a big fan of something, it's like, you're saying, I don't like how you look physically. And it's, so it's like people take it, obviously, as a direct uh, attack yeah. where we have to be able to commentate on it. But like, as a, you know, a, as a shape fan of the sport, personally, when I see Nick Walker go out on stage, I'm, I'm just kind of like... I don't see it as a great look for the sport. Now, I do think that he's the favorite going into win. And I know yeah. that obviously everybody again, but I think it's whether or not you're, but you're also monster. a classic guy. Too. Yeah, exactly. So and view it that way. And so that's, but so I, this leads me to one question. I would personally, as a fan, like to ask both of you being people who have very extensive experience in the sport. I would ask you guys this. Do you think in both of your opinions, we will ever reach an agreement on what the standard should be? No. Because I think it's a subjective thing. Mm. Bodybuilding is very subjective. Some people like blondes. Some people like redheads. Some people like brunettes. <laughs> you like all three. So it doesn't matter. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things that you, it really comes down to personal preference. But I do believe that the ultimate physique is one that carries everything. 
as many of those properties as what people would always say, Phil Heath with the width of Jay Cutler would be crazy. It would be next yeah. level, right? Well, it wasn't, yeah. but could that ever occur? Maybe, you know, with a little genetic modifications and lab work. Nah, ooh, know, let's not some, go there. That gets get to some, the dicey. Let, let's get some, <laughs> get some vials in there. But what I'm saying is that everyone's trying to chase this ultimate physique. But when you look at it, what dredges look at, are, I think, are what's eye-popping? What's going in? And I think that when sometimes when people who don't have the best shape win, it's because that attention is drawn, right, Milos? Is that attention is drawn and you're like, wow, his conditioning is so crazy that that moves them up. Now, does it move them always up to a win? No. But does it move them up? Yes, above and beyond. I mean, Branch was a perfect example yeah. of that. Branch would go out. He won the Arnold Classic. He's placed top second uh, two at the Olympia before. He's turned around and done a ton with that shape that is not really great. He just made it up with crazy muscle conditioning yeah. and he just that's looked great. and and I think that's the the a perfect example of that is Branch. Okay, so here 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 is perfect. Now is a moment to bring that in. Okay. <laughs> Cuz you and I talked earlier how some people were uh, viewing mm -hmm. that you guys, uh, you and Derek, chose to pass this contest because Nick is competing <laughs> uh -huh. and you would have a, uh, maybe not fear or concern, but... Uh, no, the word that was used was scared. That was the word. So who who used it? Because you know Jay Jay Jay, Jay ended up. Now we get into me. it. Yeah, let's let's talk about this, Milos. So when I you guys had, had the caught podcast, when you guys had the podcast on Jay's, who yeah. was the one that said, or it could have been more than one person, that he was scared? So this is how it started. I watched at uh, Olympia TV. Yeah, and uh, uh, there was uh, Bob, Sean, Nick, and Tarek. Uh huh. Uh, talking about it, and then uh, uh, they, somebody already started talking about Derek being scared of competing against Nick. Okay, and then whatever Sean said, I really thought that he did say that uh, uh, Derek was scared. And uh, Sean sent me the message, and he's all upset. You know, Sean Ray. Yeah, Sean Ray sent me a message like how he never said that. So I took that. So I apologize if that if he didn't say it, right? Okay. But the whole thing that he was saying, oh my God, he's losing three hundred thousand dollars prize money or possibility. How can you possibly pass on? I say hello, Sean. You passed all these uh, Arnold Classics. You you missed million dollars. And and I, I I wrote him that message. If you had balls, you know you would compete. <laughs> and, uh, you said that to Sean. <laughs> I, I texted him. I can send you the you know, the, the, the <laughs> because he was insisting how no no he wasn't scared. I mean uh, I don't want to compete for a ten thousand dollars show. Okay, uh, Arnold Classic was never ten thousand dollars show. Right. Arnold Classic was for many years second uh, you know biggest prize money. You know, so how can you it possibly? Was always the, it was always the second biggest prize money. So Sean competed one time, one time only in the last 10 years in a 96 Arnold Classic and was killed there, placed fifth, get spanking and realize that, oh shit, you know, I can't just walk in here. Oh, no, seriously. Right. I mean, you're talking about right. uh, at a time, Flex Wheeler competing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kevin Levroni, mm -hmm. uh, Nasser Sambari, Chris Cormier, Paul Dillard, you know, Vince Taylor. You, you had, you know, your crazy hands lineup. Full. You had your hands full. Yeah. And, I, and for Sean, I claimed this. 
you know, whatever he he, he wants to say. He was afraid to be challenged, and he saved himself for Olympia and all this stuff. Now, fast forward to the, to this year. Uh, Jay Cutler at that uh, particular um, podcast, right, after I said that uh, claims that he's scared, and I say 100% for sure he would not be scared. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was my statement, and I know this for a fact. So you're saying Jay said it. You're saying Jay said it. So, yeah, JN management, I know they're going to they're gonna listen to this. They're going to say, no, no, we didn't say that. But listen word by word. There was, you, you sense it, you know, it was going into that direction. Yeah. Why would you not? Uh, Jay won, uh, no, he, he was second to, to run in 2001 Olympia uh -huh. and won 2002, right? So he says, I'm highest placing. It doesn't make sense. I'm not going to win, right? Of course. So on that note, if you listen to me, I said that I wish that uh, Derek is competing. I mean, mm -hmm. he established himself already. For sure, you guys had the courage to jump from 212 into the open division. Mm -hmm. So there goes any discussion about the courage. You show the ultimate courage with Hadi, you know, going from 212 and with Derek. My head, uh, you know, so there is no discussion so i don't know the reasons you yeah. you probably want to elaborate why derek didn't compete sure it would just make complete logical sense for his career for uh money for a uh, prestige mm -hmm. for momentum for you know it would make sense because some judges mm -hmm. actually saw him beating Hadi. Mm -hmm. That's how close it was. I, but and, I think that some of the arguments I've seen out there when it comes to this topic have just been so absurd, in my opinion, where I'm just like people saying he's scared. I'm like, he just beat the dude. And in my opinion, lights out beat the dude. And yes, Derek's a friend of mine, but I can objectively look on stage and see like he, he the, to me, there was not a competition. There. Well, I think, look, let's just talk about this again. I've talked about it several times. Number one. The people that are not realizing everyone that's speaking about this have never done what Derek has done mm. in that short period of time besides Hottie who won, which is go from 212 to open all within the same year. So go, you know, not going in to defend his title because he was able to get the invite and move on. That happened. So he hasn't even seasoned what he's been built, been able to build from going into open. If you look at the criticism of his physique over hotties or anyone's in that top five, they're all going to say muscle maturity. So to create muscle maturity, you have to season the muscle, shoulders, chest, arms, all of those body parts to be able to get harder and drier because it's new muscle. So for you to be able to season, what does seasonality mean? It means when you season something, whether it's a steak or whether it's to take it through an entire season, fall, winter, spring, those are seasons, to season it, you're giving it time. You're giving it time to be able to actually be its best, to be able to get more graininess and to be able to really get that muscle belly to pop, but also be dry enough on stage to look impressive. He does it in the back. He does it in the glutes. He does it in the hamstrings. He does it in those body parts. He has yet to do it with this new muscle on his front. So the longer he has that new muscle that he just gained this last year, the better it's going to look on stage the following year, the following show. So that's one of the different types of things. So if you want me to sit down and really break down how Hani Rambot, how I, I go, oh, Hani, Hani does this, or Hani, I'll just tell you for certain. It's called the Truth Podcast. I'll be completely honest with you. When I sat down with Derek, 
I gave all the pros and all the cons of doing the show. And then I pushed it in front of them and I said, you decide because at the end of the day, it's your decision, not mine. So when I gave him all of those things, he made that decision. He sat down with his wife. They kind of went over it. They said, hey, he came back to me. He says, I think the best decision is for me to try to work on my improvements right now, work on making sure I get healthy and then move on. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the health situation too. When you're doing these shows on paper, everyone says he should do this or he should do that. So Milos, what I'm saying is when you have an athlete and you're pushing an athlete, they have to make that decision if they want to do the extra nine weeks of all the gear that they have to take, the dieting, the the protein, the training, all of those things on top of the things I keep talking about that will work behind the scenes that make you successful, which is your team, your wife, your 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 family, all of those things to create that family dynamic for you to win. You have to make sure all of those things are aligned too. I mean, Derek had just gotten married last year. He hasn't even had his honeymoon. So none of those things are discussed, but if you don't have those things, I guarantee you right now, you will not have a winning formula moving forward unless you have a stable home life when it comes to all of those things and create balance. And, and, and it's not just one thing. So I, mean, I know the internet's going to be like, oh, what, what was it to have something to do with his home life? No, it's everything combined to be able to create that proper chemistry to get the best result. And what, and I really try to focus on that. I do. That's what makes me different, I believe, than a lot of the coaches out there, because I try to create an environment uh, to be able to improve when it comes to every aspect of their life. So when I sit down and I see Sean Ray or whatnot, talk about Chad Nichols, or he turns around and he beat, you know, talks negatively about coaches or, or whatnot. You got to remember now, the reason why he doesn't talk about me, knock on wood is because my guys are healthy, right? But if tomorrow my guy doesn't become healthy because I push them into doing shows that they're not comfortable doing, or because they've just made in, you know, quick decisions, then they're going to be talking about me. So let's keep this real. The truth podcast. Let's keep mm-hmm. it real. That so at the end, it's, it, it's about that. Point. Right? You make very strong points right there. I mean, uh, you you nailed it exactly the way you said it. You, uh, and I'm sure because uh, Austin was even kind of offended that uh, it was lights out. There's no competition. Fact is, everybody knows. Uh, Derek was not afraid. I mean, for the love of God, how can you even mention this, right? And that you were very confident that if he goes again, uh, mano a mano with uh, Nick, he has the tools to beat him. Of course, I do not know about uh, would I easily close the eyes for $300,000 because that's a mm-hmm. ridiculous amount of money, right? You know, so just having that opportunity, you, uh, but I, I commend you for, uh, you know, making that uh, choice is yours, you choose. And Derek is not in a, in a hurry. I mean, he's focusing all in that uh, uh, Olympia prep, uh, which, by the way, is going to be very hard to dethrone uh, Hadi. Yeah, <laughs> Cause that, and, and that's another reason why he wants to try to improve, because he knows that's going to be hard. But he doesn't even look at just Hadi. We never do. We never just look at one person. I coach Hadi, I coach Derek, but I coach them to both of them to be at their best. But I'll tell you this right now. How come if Hadi had a visa, you don't think he'd be doing the show? I said this. I, okay. I'm devastated for yeah. him not to do the... Okay, so is he scared? Is he, is he scared? Is he sitting in Iran scared of anybody that's doing the Arnold right now? Or is it because of the political situation and how hard it is? As you know with Behruz, 
all of the situation, how difficult it is to get these Iranian athletes to the, to America. So I'm just you more impossible. What's that? What he did is impossible. I mean, no, it's not impossible, but it's very, very yeah. difficult. And, and, but, really? but, but you're right. It is very, very difficult. Milos. But I, I just want to, I want to take this opportunity because I know that a lot of people like to talk and say things and make controversies and whatnot. And sometimes I don't, I've sat back and I watched everyone in the peanut gallery that wants to turn around and talk about things. And, um, I just say at the end of the day, let the athlete make the decision. It's not about, I, I tell people this all the time They go, well, well, why wouldn't you get him to do it? Because of 300,000. I said, at the end of the day, it's his decision. Would it help Evigen actually? I'm a sponsor. It would, it would help Evigen, right? Exactly. It would, because it's going to give him eyeballs, but ultimately he has to make all the decisions because he's the one who's going to live with the repercussions, whether it's get this short term with, the Olympia prep coming up or whether it's long-term with health or whether it has to do with short-term with money or long-term with money. Those are all things because he cashes that check, but his, he has to also write that check when it comes to his physique and his health. So those are why the athlete chooses period. But, yeah. Okay. Uh, I had one question, but sure. I didn't want to interrupt you before. And I forgot now, uh, you know, it just came back to me. So, I was always uh, on a hot seat biased coach, and I'm talking about Samson. Mm -hmm. so, so now I'm going to put uh, you to be a biased coach with uh, Derek mm -hmm. against Nick, right? Sure. So the same scenario. We talk about bodybuilding, classic, the differ differential what you were making. Oh, classic, go there. This is open. Freak me out. You know, when you who stand out and stuff like that. So how did you see Austin? Uh, said lights out uh, Derek mm -hmm. beat uh, uh, Nick how do you see now uh, Derek Nick Olympia uh, battle the last year this last year that we yeah, this one that just happened yeah because uh, Derek obviously beat him I you know, you're in a better position you had a guy beating the guy right <laughs> losing <her>. <laughs> well <laughs> obviously he already beat him so yeah. he's already set precedence. But when I look at it objectively and I sit back and I look at the wow factor, you have to remember the wow factor comes in different ways mm -hmm. in different packages. The wow factor for Nick Walker is the muscularity, his size, you know, his conditioning. That's the wow factor. But if you look at his shape compared to Derek and I'm, let's say I'm going to be a judge for a minute. I look at Nick Walker has a longer torso. He has shorter legs but he makes up a lot of things in the conditioning department in the muscularity, but structurally the wow factor for Derek, when he comes out and people are wowed by his front relaxed mm -hmm. and the audience is gasping because of that extreme V and that extreme X shape is what that wow factor is for him. So these are all mutants. They're all X-Men to some degree, Avengers, however you want to call it, because to me it's like growing up with, action figures these guys are all amazing but when you really want to sit down and look at them and make that comparison that's where his strength is that's the superman that's, beats hulk again v taper beats uh uh mass because but i it's do want to clarify too though. he's speaking the same language you know you know so i like you know that but, but derek wouldn't beat him if derek didn't have the conditioning so if con yeah. if he wasn't properly conditioned to that degree then he wouldn't beat him just because he's got good shape. I don't, you know, could it carry yeah. him to a certain degree? I think that's what happens. 
is that you start to drop if it doesn't carry a certain amount of conditioning versus muscularity. All of these things are up for debate, but I think that you have to have a certain percentage of each to be able to move up to that first place spot. Yeah, but I tell you this already 2021, yeah, 21, when uh, Derek won uh, 212, and we talked uh, after. Yeah. And, and uh, I think I mentioned to you, like, initially when he stepped on stage, he didn't impress me uh, condition wise. I thought he was off mm -hmm. until he turned to the side and then especially turned to the back. Right. And I said, like, uh, it's uh, that weird thing that. Uh, from the back is completely different story. Yeah. That's the first time that you mentioned it. He still doesn't have that uh, maturity density already to 2021. Right. So now he said 2022, he had a whole year to, you know, put that new muscle he did incredibly, right? But that maturity still didn't come yet. Correct. Okay. It's and all I, brand I, new I muscle. Hope, yeah. You know, for me, you know, speaking of that now, uh, because we're touching the subject, uh, and he was sitting right next to Samson at the banquet. And I told him my opinion on that one, right? Uh, size is already quite there, right? So if you do want to chisel it, you know, and make that density, my suggestion, I don't know how you see on that one, that, uh, you know, extended peak contraction, you know, complete stretching, complete shortening, and not just complete shortening, like maximal shortening, you know, so... Uh, there are different levels of contraction. You know, you know a lot of people use mm -hmm. certain level, but they, they don't do maximum level. So I, I see just the way, you know, it's not like I'm scientist or anything, right? The, this is all for us, bro right. science. Bro we've science. seen in the gym, but I've seen guys that I switch from, so the, and I know that Derek already has a meticulous form and everything, mm -hmm. but, uh, uh, as Joe Weider principle was, uh, what did he call it? Um, hypertension principle. You know that you you pose your your rep mm -hmm. like uh, at the end of the rep, like you hit the pose and hold the pose. Yep, this kind of thing. Is he? Because uh, he needs to bring this mm -hmm. right and this yep. shoulders and chest. For for me, that, that's what I've seen going into the Olympia. There was like a one time picture. Mm -hmm. uh in a blue tank top mm -hmm. and uh, i've seen the fibers that i've never seen it before like oh okay this is happening but then still at olympia yeah he still needs much more especially when you stand next to somebody like hottie rainbow there's hottie rainbow that's the i was in the uh first yeah, call out yeah, in the yeah. Yeah, I wanted to say your, your last name in my way, Rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think that you're right. I think that that all happens. But so if you want to talk a little bit about the technicalities of why that happens, I'll, I, we can discuss it. Yeah. So it's the same reasoning why people look so good when they're taking their off-season pictures or their, I should say, even their gym pictures in the magic mm -hmm. light. What happens is when you have hyperhydration, you have the ability for your body to look completely different than when you go into a dehydrated state. So as I've done seminars on this before, it, it really has to be a combination of fullness and dryness. And you're never going to peak to certain body parts, optimal levels. So you have to gauge 
how you want the glutes, the back, the chest to look without giving up your legs or to get without giving up your lats. So you could pull as much as you want, whether it's diet or whether it's water. But if you end up trying to peak somebody with just looking at just their shoulders or just their chest, but then their glutes aren't in, you're going to be 10th place. But if you're going to turn around and be able to create that optimal look with all of the body parts that are present and accounted for at that point in time, at that hour that you have to judge, and then you widen the hours because you know that they might not be on time at the Olympia, <laughs> then you have to take all of those in consideration. That's why I have my certain soup foods backstage versus the types of foods that I have my athletes eat in the room. And I don't judge what they look like in the room in that lighting. I judge them in different kinds of light that I create because I know that's what's going to emulate what they're going to look on stage. So all of these things are the ways that I dial in my athletes. So mm -hmm. when you look at those things, I may think that that guy looks really good at four weeks out with two gallons of water, 300, 400 grams of carbs, a cheat meal the night before. But that photo, I know in my mind what you saw, I know exactly what they did. And I'm not going to do that for that stage look because I know that the rest of the body isn't right. So what I do is I try to take all of the different factors and be able to blend them in to try to come up with an optimal look with anybody I train. Yeah, but okay, I'm, I'm not going to uh, pretend here that uh, I understand it because I don't, and I'm coach for, for a million years, right? You know, the, the technicalities that you're talking right now, mm -hmm. that you have a certain kind of food back in hotel and certain backstage, right. and you can pull from here or from there. This this is a Nobel Prize kind of uh, discovery of how you can pull from a chest to the glutes to the, you know. So I, I've seen... The, the proteins we have our athletes eat are always you know, pretty much the same. You combine whichever, chicken, turkey, fish, eggs, or whatever. Most of the people are going to go with more fish towards the end and stuff like that. Okay, carbs. Again, you know, athlete likes certain kind of carbs. If it's potatoes or oats or rice or whatever, right? Actually, I've seen uh, your your Chris uh, Bamstad video that how he was combining like three carbs at the same meal. Sometimes I used five, to combine yeah. everything. Yeah, it's uh, it's very very interesting. But how can you mm -hmm. tell to any physiologist or nutritionist that now this food that I'm eating, the rice or potato, uh, whatever, I'm gonna break it down into the glucose. Mm -hmm. uh, it's gonna go faster in the bloodstream, and this glucose is gonna be distributed here or there. This is impossible to predict, right? Right. No, no, no. I don't think, I think you took it the wrong way. I'm not, as we're pulling, mm -hmm. it's not the certain foods that are doing certain muscle groups. It's as you're drying someone out, when to know, when to balance out fullness versus dryness in the particular body parts when you're looking at them, not mm. specific foods that fill up your chest versus your glutes, not that. And when I'm talking about the snacks on the foods is to make sure to keep their, their bodies leveled backstage when you have a wide array of timing that you might have to work with, i.e. the Olympia when it was four hour window, trying to work within that window so that they can possibly snack or be able to keep their bodies at their optimal level or within 5% of that. There's not going to be certain foods. You don't eat a banana and then your chest grows and, and none of that. <laughs> what I was talking about was trying to balance out 
what the optimal look is. So for example, when you're working with Samson, you're going to have to decide, right? At what point you're trying to pull somebody, cut, cut, cut out their water, dry, you know, cut it back and dry them out, fill them up. What is the optimal look? What is that optimal look? So you're chasing that optimal look. And I think that's, so yeah, so that's, that's what I meant by that. Not, not specific foods for certain body parts. We, we cut out water way too soon. I didn't want to. <laughs> uh, you know, all those things that uh, you didn't want least, to. Let's let's talk about that for a second. You didn't want to, but but he did. Or? Yeah, like uh, on a, on a, uh -huh. uh, night before, right? Yeah. Because you see, that that's the mentality of us. I just want to be dry. I just want to be in you know, a condition, right? Mm -hmm. So thinking we needed to do this much sooner. So I didn't want to. I want to drink all the way to the. You know, Thursday night, late, right? But uh, uh, I, I think he felt better by already reducing it on Thursday afternoon, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I've seen it. It's okay. Then uh, uh, I don't think it's a good idea. You should still drink, right? Because Friday, it's not morning show. It's not uh, you know middle of a day show. It was eleven o'clock at night. So you know when you cut the water and then uh, try to reintroduce it that's also a risk you know but but these kind of things um and i don't know you i'm sure that you have a with each athlete by the way congratulations on three spectacular uh conditions uh, chris and hadi and uh derek could not be peak better thank you even I though what we were saying initially when hadi came mm -hmm. on we were all judging him with the previous hadi yes but this hadi would beat previous hadi you know, as a, as a whole, uh, idea. So I think it was in very good direction. So, I mean, you picked them perfectly. And, uh, Chris Bounsett was very good in 2000, I think, uh, 20. Yeah. But uh, you even exceeded that. There was a more level of detail that I haven't seen, especially side leg, hamstring, glutes, you know, chest, uh, tie-ins. Yeah. Incredible, really. You know, he, he is uh, leaps and bounds above, uh, everybody really, <laughs> uh, head off to him. Hari Chupan for me should be three times Mr. Olympia. So that tells enough about what I think of him and Derek going into the show. Even when I discussed with the uh, manager, Matt and, and, um, uh, Jay, they were kind of, oh yeah, putting him there like top three. And I just didn't see it happen, right? I, you know, I'm a shape guy. Yeah. So, of course, I love uh, his shape. Just standing there, I thought this is going to be overwhelming. Well, let me tell you, I was front row, and I <laughs> I taped him. When he opened up in that front uh, relaxed pose, is nothing I've ever seen in my life. That differential between a uh, waist and uh, a lats and shoulders it's never before seen. I don't think so. I mean, uh, that, that was phenomenal. So I kind of thought it's not because two twelve. Right. I, I don't go with that idea. Two twelve, so he can. I just thought that structurally, thickness wise, and you know, he's not gonna have enough. He had more than enough. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the the width was there incredibly. Um, thickness. I mean. I still, uh, I'm going to have to tell you, I still don't like his leg positioning. I said before, he looks like uh, he's, uh, you know, 
Put well, that's because his, sp- his sponsor does that. It's uh, riding a horse. You said he's riding. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's, 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 it's not the rodeo. It's Olympia. Uh, you know, don't do that. Well, we, I, I don't. You know, because when you look at him, he has uh, this beautiful separation, deep yeah. lateralis medialis, uh, everything all, all the way to the hip. Mm-hmm. I think it distracts, and and Jake Adler so, agrees with me. Back in the day, we had like pretty much feet together. Uh-huh. I think he would look even more aesthetic. Yeah. Um, so do you want me to tell you why I have him do that now? Say Do you want me to tell you why I have him do that? Okay, tell me. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So create illusion on more size? Well, because he's so wide through the shoulders and he has bigger adductors. So the way that I have him pose that right now until he continues to keep growing, obviously that could change as his legs continue to grow because he was limited with how much muscle he could add. So if you go back and you look at his when he was 212 when we won the 212 together that was the first show we worked together Mm -hmm. his legs almost looked a little bit soft because he didn't have the muscle built in the conditioning was that that was 221 the 212 and in the Uh, two years ago the the first show that um you know the when he won the 212 two years ago that was 2021 and so when he did that show and we saw each other at the banquet afterwards Remember I came over and I, you know, you were talking to him. So what was going on was the fact that his shoulders are so wide that when he stands too narrow, he looks like his legs look up and down. So as his legs are growing, because he's bending his knees and he has a little bit bigger adductors now is that we've kept his knees slightly apart that way to show because he's a better X frame because his shoulders are so wide. So that's why when you sit there and you're like, oh, why, why does he do that? Well, that's because it just shows a better I mean, X frame. There's the only one reason why you do that. Of course, when you think uh, logically why, right. right? To create illusion. Uh, but uh, I just, you know, he's so aesthetic, beautiful shape. And, you know, for me, this is kind of a blemish of that perfect, uh, beautiful shape standing there. Uh, so if you hear... Even Steve Weinberger uh, yeah. saying, oh, he still needs more legs. Yeah. So I'm sure that when you hear a comment like this, then yeah, yeah, we have to create the illusion of the size. But it's always known that if you position yourself that way, you are admitting that you have to create this illusion by doing it this way rather than having a confidence of standing this way. <laughs> you but, know? but were you blown away when he did his front lap? When, when yeah, lap? I mean, listen, by all means. <laughs> that, that was, that's the, the that, biggest X-frame ever. Right, and so that's that's the biggest X-frame ever, but yeah. it would more look like a Y if you're standing straight up. But again, as your body changes and you put more size on, it's open for interpretation. It's just one of those things where, (laughs) what's that? Yeah, that's, I I, I see that both ways. And probably if I coach him, maybe I would do the same. You know, if I'm, if I'm analytical, you know, because sometimes I uh, tell guys to do a pose that looks comfortable and looks Mm -hmm. shapely, ooh, but it doesn't look good. It it creates uh, weaknesses and, and it clearly shows. Right. Because bodybuilding yeah. is an illusion. So, yeah, so you're, you're going to be pose. uncomfortable and look bigger. Yeah. That's right. Okay. That's it. So that's, that's one of the things. And yeah. as that continues to keep, he keeps continuing to grow his legs and he can keeps continuing to improve, then foot positions will change. Everything will start to change. But I think that with his, he's very wide. He's a very wide individual. I mean, Hottie is same thing. Like with Hottie, that we talked a little bit before the uh, last week before we were going to do the 
podcast before the ice storm. Hottie, we gave up 10, 15% conditioning compared to what he normally is for the extra 10 pounds of stage weight. And that was one of those things because I've always gotten feedback that he can be a little bit bigger. He can be a little bit bigger. He still was out conditioning everyone before, but now it's like, okay, if we give up 10 or 15% conditioning from behind, but we can put on those eight to 10 pounds, how is that going to look? And we, it was a risk, but obviously it paid off because the density and that muscle maturity on Hadi was rewarded by saying, wow, we could really see him be dominant on that stage compared to before was, oh, he was super ripped, but he just wasn't big enough yet. He still looks a little undersized. Now that step up this year was a risk, but I think it paid off. Oh, you know, you masterminded the perfectly. I, I mean, going into the Olympia, there were rumors about uh, Rami being bigger and better than ever, right? Yes. I'm sure that you knew already you're not going to beat him exactly on the size, but uh, there was arguments that he beat him already, you know, last year, <laughs> right? But he didn't. Uh, he, he, we, I, I agree with you. <laughs> 2019, I think Hadi could have won. I think in 2021, Hadi could have won. He was third place in both shows. He wasn't even second place. But even if I, I would have loved to see him even in second place, but it was what it was. And as the feedback from Steve Weinberger and the rest of the judges was, he needs to be bigger. He needs to be a little bit bigger to be able to keep up with guys that are way bigger than he is. So that was something that we were going to go into with the game plan. And with him coming out a little bit earlier this year, that made a big difference as well for us to be able to really put on some extra size on him and then keep that size as he was dieting down for the show, the final days. But, you know, going back, let's go talk about the Arnold. Cause I do not want to lose this on the Arnold. What do you think the top five, give me your top five right now. Um, Samson winning, Samson winning. <laughs> I said this, uh, yes, this, I have to repeat it. I, I had Andrew Jack second, Andrew okay. Jack second. And I had uh, Big Rami third mm. over fourth uh, Nick Walker and the oh. fifth uh, Sean Clarita. Okay. This is because I answered the way how I would want to judge, how I would judge, not what I think the judge is going to judge. Right. I know that uh, uh, if you give me a million dollars and I can put only one guy, I would probably put on Nick Walker. That would be you know quite a... Uh, you know, secure bet because he had all the momentum going. He's going to show up in much better condition, I think. Okay. Uh, than at Olympia, you know, because he was good, not great there. He was very good there. Uh, I still don't think that was he was great. He can be even better conditioned. Mm -hmm. I see him in the gym, and he has that kind of transparent. Uh, onion, you know, cellophane skin. Right. I mean, it's like amazing. You just move it and you see every capillary, capillary going in here. I mean, really, really, really. He's got very so, thin skin everywhere. L let me ask yeah. you this. With the things that you say, how does he, is, is he, does he get mad because you guys see each other at the gym all the time, right? Aren't you at Flex's yeah. gym? I mean, even that day, that day uh, I saw him and he goes, oh, I know mean, you talk shit. <laughs> I don't talk shit. I just uh, say my opinion, right? And, and look, if he's here in a, in a podcast, right. what am I supposed to tell him? Oh, yeah, Nick, I think that you should uh, win Arnold. Uh, you have a best physique. Right. Uh, is this what I'm supposed to say? Because now, if not, I'm a hater, right? Right. Well, okay. I mean, you, yeah. it's your opinion. 
Yeah, you're one of the favorites. You have your tools, okay? And, you know, you should just pray that uh, those tools are going to be judged favorably, you know. But, uh, you know, that, that's why I'm saying how you as a coach, how did you see Derek beat Nick? Because Nick is still Nick. Wow factor. Oh, my God. So much muscle there, you know. Okay. So you have to be, well, the shape matters. What I say to, to people, and you can take pictures any, anywhere, cover the upper body, cover the lower body, cover, 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 from front and back, and, you know, and then you see a lot. That, that's like instantly show you the balance, okay? <laughs> uh, if you happen not to see it right in front of you, because I said, like, balance need to be preserved. And if balance is missing, it's so visible in so many poses. Okay, but they're going to just, that's why I say they're going to erase that. If you had that in a symmetry round and you established balance is not there, you're penalized. If not, if it's blended in, it can be just, you know, pushed away. That, that's uh, on that note. And now if you're going to freak me out, freak me out in the second round. It, uh, it's your round for that. Freak me out. No problem. And then there was the third round, which I thought would be a very good idea. Base your opinion on what you've seen so far, but give opportunity to the athletes to impress you to the point you can change the scores, you know? And then if you can also give them uh, prize money for a uh, best posing award, they're going to put even more effort to entertain the Well, the I think crowd. that's why they did that. They did that because they wanted people to actually, the competitors yeah. to actually put more time and effort into the posing round. And for those like Melvin Anthony and those guys that used to really go out of their way to focus on that posing to make it really pop on stage and people make it memorable, they were giving out the posing awards. But I don't know if they're doing that anymore. Well, not. but uh, Arnold Classic, let's, let me not just stay away from this. So I do have a very high hopes for my guy, mm -hmm. Samson. You ask if I can provide you with some uh, up, upgrades. Yeah, that's what, uh, yeah. let's, let's get into that. Where are we, do we, so, okay, do we have, have some right there's some confidence here. So you got some confidence, obviously. There must be something good in those check-ins. Yeah, it is. It is. It's very right, good. Right. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Samson's physique anyway, right? And then, of course, as a, his coach, I'm responsible. So you you need to bring that uh, uh, beauty condition, slice and dice. Okay. But here it is, you as a coach, uh, uh, honey, when you look and when you say certain things you gain and then you lose a lot, you know, so if I would gain a little bit of that, Mm -hmm. And lose like so much of that wow factor and completeness and roundness. This is where I was going. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that he has a best combination of everything: thickness, width, uh, balance, uh, shape, size. He was two ninety uh, uh, four point six. I mean, it's a crazy. Uh, so I do have a very high hopes. Is Nick going to look more ripped than him? Probably. You know, you already, you know, can see this going in the stage. Uh, Nick has that ability to have a, like, really super thin skin. cellophane skin, see-through skin. Okay? Uh, is is going to happen exactly? Probably not exactly. But Samson's now uh, separation on uh, quads it's deeper. Some serrations are coming. Some serrations are coming here. You know, uh, I just believe that he can overtake him. But Andrew Jack is that uh, wow factor that uh, we waited to be 
peaked properly. You know, so, so far, I think four shows. Arnold, amateur, he wasn't. And then Texas was, you know, pretty good, you know, but uh, he's still not uh, 100%. Arnold Classic, UK, you know, I think was not even as good as uh, Texas. And Olympia was, you know, good. Even just fair. Uh, I think fair he was sick story. though, too. Just to, just to be fair, yeah, I also yeah. I, I heard that he was sick at the Olympia. I don't know exactly what mm -hmm. was wrong with him, but I heard he was sick at the Olympia. So that's probably why it, I saw him personally in Texas, and I've talked about this in the podcast. I thought he looked really, really good, mm -hmm. and you can see just that potential. But I think out of all the shows from the ones I looked at their photos, and then I was in Texas here when he competed. I thought that Texas was the best look, yes. but I do think that there was uh, definitely a peaking issue. And then whether it was because he was sick or because just they were trying to do different things for the Olympia, um, mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting to see him at the show because if he peaks, then everyone's going to be like, wow, it could be that look. And then obviously you have Samson, but this is the thing that I'm interested in now because you're yeah. such a fan of Samson's physique and, and just physiques that are pretty in general. What if Nick called you and said, hey, I want to work with you? Of course I would. Listen, and I have, uh, I'm, not, I'm never going to show because uh, uh, Nick didn't show the video, so I, I wasn't going to show. Before the Olympia, I went into the posing room and uh, we posed, uh -huh. and I gave him some pointers. And if you would listen, all my pointers were... If you would have listened, he would have won the Olympia? Uh. <laughs> no, 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 no. My, my point, no, 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 of course he wouldn't. It's not like uh, I would give them. There was just a, a posing pointers. Right. Uh, to try to create the illusion of more aesthetics. You know, mm -hmm. this is uh, the only thing. And you can do this in every pose if you master it. And look, he's posing, I think, very, very good. You know, so what do you try to accomplish from the front? What's from the side? What, you know? Did he so, listen to you? I think that few things like side chest pose, yeah, he turns a little bit more around, mm -hmm. you know, like that that thing. You you see me this big, or you see me this big, right? right. So kind of kind of does he? Maybe that's he why he beat Samson is because you gave him those tips. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know what? If I was Samson uh, right now, I'd be like, "You're you're supposed to be my coach. What's going on here?" If you remember that back in the day. Um, Max Charles got pissed off at me, you uh -huh. know, because I told the, he, he heard me in a muscle uh, development interview that after the prejudging, I've seen Jan Valier, and I told him, hey, Jan, Jan Valier, uh, you, you're not squeezing your legs. In the front poses, he would uh, squeeze the legs, but by the time he would hit the front of biceps, he would lose them, you know, same thing for that. And if I'm a judge and I'm judging, whoa, now you can lose. So, my duty as a you know true fan and uh you know i try to help everybody and this is i want to tell him that but max would figure oh i i basically help him with the info i say max i was backstage in new york and i went to akim williams in front of his coach and i told him listen abs you have to control them glue it to the spine you know breathe from the back keep that uh, separation going right mm -hmm. Because that's just natural. I, I cannot help myself and not say that, right? right. So, of course, uh, I want everybody at their best. I mean, I was giving little advices to uh, Derek, you know, uh, after the Olympia also. I think that Derek needs to improve the abs. That uh, Still, the way he hits abs shut is not uh, 
glued in. You know, that's the muscle. You don't squeeze out. You squeeze it in. Mm -hmm. But uh, you can squeeze it and crunch it and lose the separation, or you can make that separation more. So he needs to, to create that depth. Just the way he posed, I don't think he, he did it correctly. This is but, just my... Uh, but yeah, but just remember, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to counter that real quick. So I know exactly what you're talking about. So as you pull your abs in, and this is for all the listeners out there who are watching this on YouTube, when you pull your abs in, depending on how your body and your makeup of your abdominal girdle is, what happens is you can actually look a little more boxy if you suck your abs in and you try to make your abs prominent. You can actually look a little bit wider through the waist, but you'll have more separation. Or you can suck them in, crunch down, and your waist will look smaller, which is what, yeah. what Derek does. So just, yeah. yeah. So that's why I'm saying like, there's a lot of yin and yangs. There's a lot of different ways of being able to present your physique. Yeah, so he, if you want more separation, small waist. yeah, you know? he does. So he, he has does. a super small waist. Right. And for him, that would be even worth the risk. But there is a two things. First you, uh, and the Chris Cormier was master of that also. Mm -hmm. First you bring the waist in and then you crunch it, you know, so waist in small waist sure. and then, uh, hit it. He uh, just, you know right. what? Or you, what you do is you end up, but if you look at it, like look at, look at Chris Bumstead, what he'll do is he'll crunch and then he'll do a vacuum. So mm -hmm. it's, it's doing several different poses sometimes is also a really good technique for someone to, to do several different versions of an ab pose or same, same thing would go with side tricep. A lot of my athletes would do a side tricep and then they would blow out and then flex downwards because that was, I was very, very big on that. So mm -hmm. we, I would focus on that with my athletes a lot when they would twist do a three-quarter twist and then lock out to try to show the definition in their intercostals and then try to bring in that waist taper but also show definition through the chest as well as the shoulders as well as the tricep and trying to create depth so it's it's just yeah 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 it's it's a, it's mandatory and they all look phenomenal okay so it's not classic side strides i suppose but after the classic you you hit this because you're showing too much muscle, too much right. definition upstairs. Right. Chest, shoulders, arms, abs. You know, yeah, it looks phenomenal. For the ab shot, if if I'm, uh, you know, uh, mm -hmm. telling you what I think, uh, ana analyze the way he hit it. It's it just, you know, not that perfect blowout contraction and separation there. Mm -hmm. There are moments, and this is how it, there are moments that you see it, and then uh, he loses. Right. So if there is one moment that you can have it, then you can have every moment. You just have to freeze the moment, know how you do it, and that's the that's the virtue of good posing. But anyway, so we were talking about uh, um, yeah, Nick. So we're gonna get uh, you. I want, I'm gonna get you to commit right now. We're gonna get those. Yeah. We're gonna get those updated pictures or videos. We're gonna get uh, ahead. I'm gonna have maybe I should ask him permission from uh, Samson. Say Samson, this is cool. Uh, I think he he'll he'll be cool. Okay, get see get if you can get the okay. We, we want a little exclusive yeah. action so that we can go ahead see, and highlight Samson because again, this is gonna be a great Arnold Classic, guys. So if you haven't are not going or if, if you plan on going obviously we're going to be there i'm yep. going to have a booth there I, you know milos is going to be there he's going to be running around <laughs> um are you guys having a booth too or is jim having a booth no 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 okay, no, so, not that no yeah they didn't, we didn't talk about it yet yeah. okay yeah so we have a booth there we're gonna it's gonna be a great show we're gonna be able to watch the show and we're also for those that are not going to be there definitely want to watch the pay-per-view because it also helps just being able to if you're a fan watch support the shows it makes a big difference it really helps the total environment of bodybuilding so 
you know, if you want to stop by, we're going to be at the booth. Uh, it's, we're going to be announcing the booth. And um, one mm-hmm. thing also too, Milos, I, before I forget, you've been doing some clinics too. I want you to make sure to talk about that. Didn't you have a clinic like last week when I talked to you? Yeah, one or two weeks I, I, ago? I do the, um, a lot of the training camps. I have my uh, 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 maximal hypertrophy uh, training camps. And maybe if you have a time to touch the subject, because uh, you do a lot of same concept hyperemia increased blood flow to the muscle mm-hmm. you can deliver it and then store it right there so that was the principle i used for 30 years or something and then before i would have specific supplements give to the guys you know before training and then intra i said why don't you just make one so uh, i made it back in 2006 mm-hmm. my first pre-intra post-workout based on hyperemia advantage theory yeah because 60 70 percent of blood that you have there's now maybe 10 percent in your muscle would go to the muscle so you can deliver it don't send empty blood that was my whole idea and then every muscle contraction opens up it's ready for uptake if you have it available right. on that note you you mentioned if you wanted to maybe touch this uh, uh, subject of my protocols you know the, the protocols so uh naturally naturally I would cause insulin release intra workout mm-hmm. because if I have high glycemia, high aminoacidemia, right, uh, and high insulinemia, the insulin is released, glucose, amino acids, everything is there. Insulin pushes everything out of the blood into first available cells and tissues. Okay, so. Even if anybody wants to argue the point, if this is the blood and whatever is in the blood, and right now insulin is there, it's going to take out of the blood, right? Into the first available cells and tissues. When I train, what is the only available tissue, muscle tissue? So is this beneficial or it's not? And I know that a lot of people would say, no, no, you don't need it. Yeah, I just give you branch chain aminos or some people give essential aminos and mm-hmm. maybe add uh, you know some nitric oxide boosters and betaline citrulline mm-hmm. you know uh, stuff, stuff like that but i would ensure that you have enough glucose so it's going to boost your endogenous insulin release and then it's going to store everything on that note yeah as you know i'm guilty of exogenous also yes because i use that for me it was no brainer um uh, physiological amount of a storage hormone, insulin, is anabolic hormone. Is this plus or minus in the bodybuilding's arsenal? It is plus. And this is why I used it. But when I was with Jay Cutler on the podcast, which I wanted to mention, mm-hmm. he did say that you never wanted to use it, that uh, he used it before, yeah. and then with you, he never used it. So I understand that probably none of your athletes Use it, <laughs> and you're going to touch the subject. So I'm ready for discussion if you are. Well, I just I know that you're. Now well, you can do a whole different show. I'm going to say because like, this is going to be. A I, whole I can see that this show. could be a whole entire <laughs> this, topic. Yeah, yes, because uh, any anybody who knows me knows it's hard to shut me up, and I have officially just turned into a listener of the yeah. podcast for this entire thing because <laughs> I'm just yeah. taking all this in. Because I would be very curious to hear a lot more of that I, again. Okay, so yes. you want to do this separate for that one? Yeah, let's <laughs> talk about that. Let's let's do a part two Hello? on this. Let's do a part two on this, and we'll yeah. talk about the different okay. methodologies and. Uh, okay. And, and let's make sure that the listeners, there's two things though. The listeners who are listening to this or watching it, you, if you're listening to it, go to the YouTube, go ahead and let us know what you want us to talk about. 
and let us know if there's any specific questions that you have, because we'll do a follow-up on this and get a little mm-hmm. bit more technical, whether it's training, supplements, any of those things. Because I want to follow up to one of these ones, personally. Okay, yeah. You didn't let you speak. Yeah. Next time I'm bringing a notebook. That's what I want to do. I'm going to be sitting here writing everything down. That's what I want. So, yeah. And, um, and the cool thing about it is that I think, the yeah, I, obviously, I don't talk a lot about protocols because I... I feel that my athletes, it's up to them to discuss it. But with Jay, I've been getting a lot of questions about it because Jay had talked about it in several different podcasts about the lack of insulin use in my protocol and other things that have been discussed outwardly with clients that I've had in the past or present. And so I do, I am okay with it. Actually, it it was funny because we were talking about it yesterday because I am doing a, uh, that seminar with Chris Bumstead on February 25th here in Irving. And one of the things that <laughs> that I'm going to be talking about for one of the first times is going to be talking about a lot of the different protocols and what I believe in, what I don't believe in. And I feel that whether it's diet, training, nutrition, my philosophies. So February 25th, if you guys are interested, I'll put a link down below because I am doing my first seminar with him. We're doing a, a tour and we are haven't put out the other tour dates yet, but the February 25th in Irving, Texas is been locked in i'll put the link down below so we're going to talk about nutrition training and as well as just being able to be the best version of yourself both on and off the stage but i know that milos you you probably want to talk about a yeah i mean i'm things. dying for but listen because you're so knowledgeable and uh, i would need to pretty much convince you as you are coach that doesn't use it. Yeah. So you will have all the reasons why you don't want to use it. And I will try to convince you, but okay, we can leave this uh, for a separate show. I, I feel guilty not mentioning big Rami. And uh, yeah, I was going to say, we left out the guy yeah. that just won the Olympia two times. Yeah. So because of the, the way we were discussing and then, sure. you know, oh my God, I, I still think that uh, uh, big Rami's uh, decision to do it is great. Cause uh <laughs> Uh, he can rebound very quickly. It's not like he lost his body and uh, the peaking was not exactly perfect. Those injuries that he had would it affect him? It's going to still affect him in these certain poses. Right. But uh, can he uh, have that overall wow effect like he used to? You know, like uh, when it's a uh, big Rami, as big Rami and big fool and in a good condition. Uh, I think that he's still top runner. Uh, he he still beat Samson. I mean, even going into the show, the only guy he lost, you know, to was uh, Nick Walker. That's right. And Big Rami, not perfectly conditioned, losing to condition uh, um, Nick. It doesn't mean that he's going to do it again, right? So sure. Big Rami is a big enigma. Um, Dennis James said that, yeah, the, the way he looked going into the show, you know, he really didn't think that anybody can touch him. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've seen that nerve damage, right? The lower lats insertions are not there. They're not going to be there in that back double biceps pose. Uh, lat spread pose, he can get away with it, you know, without being seen. And he's still so wide and uh, glutes are there, you know, crazy uh, legs, uh, you know, width, everything is there. Rami from the front, front relax. Yeah, I would just suggest do not make his waist big. Like you, you just talk about uh, um, if you do it wrongly. And that, that's a perfect example now that you mentioned. Yeah, I, I said, I don't like uh, 
big Rami's frontal biceps when he goes down with the abs. Mm -hmm. I could get away with it, and I did it. And all the guys that they don't lose the width and they don't thicken the waist and show the abs beautiful. Right. But for him, not just that he uh, thickens the the waistline, he internally rotate the the arm, and now the biceps. You know, the arm was much smaller. Again, right. you know, so right there it was a big mistake, and that's the first pose. Yeah. And then from that, you're going into the last spread pose, the second pose. And he did the same thing, open, and then go down. And again, the same thing happened. For me, that's a huge mistake. So first two poses, going against somebody like maybe Nick, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, he's going to export you there. And then you're going to go to the side. Side chest, side triceps, uh, Rami is good, great. You know, So he's going to hold his own or beat you know, those guys. He's going to be very competitive. Back double, he's going to lose. You know, if you're even a coach, okay, let him lose that pose, no problem. Right. And then last spread, he's going to gain momentum back in. And most masculine, you know, so Big Rami, what do you think they're going to uh, bring? They're talking about flat look, so they're going to probably have to go for a fuller look. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm what I'm hearing in between lines, right? Um, nobody says anything other than, oh, the flatness make him made him uh, softer. Well, so you would assume. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's always a combination of fullness and dryness. So yeah. if he was flat and when you get watery, because if you get so flat, you become watery because you're just. The, the tension is not held. Uh, the, the carbohydrates are not really loaded the muscle sure. properly. So you don't get the separation and you don't get the definition. So if that's the case, yes, it's going to be that, but there's a lot of other different types of variables too, that at the end of the day, I'm excited to see it. Cause I'm just like, okay, can he come back? Absolutely. It's just a matter of how much is it going to make a difference in seven weeks, eight weeks. Yeah. But here's a second highest placing. He only lost to Nick, right? So, yeah. in theory, if he just repeats his condition, right, he would still be no, uh, because front, you, you, you can't you can't think that way because you <laughs> got to say Samson theoretically better, speaking, right? Because yeah. because that means that everybody else has to be stagnant. So you have to say how much better is Andrew going to be? How much better is Samson going to be? How much better is William Bonac? Don't count him out, you know. Oh, yeah. And I think that those have to be addressed as well, and then. The X factor is Sean Clarita because mm-hmm. we all know what Sean's going to look like. But again, he gives up a lot of weight. But how is that going to look next to somebody like that? Because he's only going to be 175 pounds. But if he looks so complete, that is a compelling argument. But you won't know until you stand next to him. So when he qualified for the Olympia Open last year, he came in beating Regan and he came in beating uh, Sergio. But he didn't have any of these top guys. Now, let's see how he looks like. That's exciting, too, to see what he's going to look like next to some of these top guys. But how do you see that? I mean, because we talk about I think it's, I think it's, it's, so this is what I think. I think that when you don't peak, you open up that window for people who peak even at a smaller, lighter body weight to beat you. And I think that's where Sean's going to make up ground. So if he catches these guys slipping, he will beat them because if they don't peak properly. Yeah, and you know that uh, he peaked every single time in the last so many years. I mean, he's a uh, dynamite. It's, it's just, 
Uh, yeah. After he, He's after very he dangerous. Yeah, very super dangerous. I mean, there was that X factor that uh, he he can possibly win the show. Would you bet that he he's not going to win? I mean, there's so much compact muscle and the conditioning and nothing missing. Narrow. That's his. Uh, yeah, downfall. he's narrow, and some you know people will say, oh, he's not big enough because of this that. But you have it's a comparison, so it's all yeah. about comparisons at that point. So whoever has the most complete look is who should win. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah so we'll, we'll go ahead. Well, you know, thank you for your time, Milos. Uh, it's always good talking to you. Um, great to have you on the podcast, and we definitely have to do a part two. And I think that the uh, we'll listen to the fans, and we're still <laughs> waiting for the 500 likes so we can get him to take his hat off because he's never. I think uh, we he almost showers. He showers and he sleeps with his hat. I think we're uh, <laughs> we're breaking a record right now. I think we're only a few comments away from me having to take my hat off on the next podcast. So we'll make that happen. Yeah. All right, but but yeah, Austin, yeah, I, I apologize. You didn't talk much. Hey, no, I just got too excited. I mean, I could question uh, Honey all day long, you know, right now because yeah. uh, you have like so many, you know, things that I want to find out. So let's do the technical part, okay. you know, next time. Yeah, let's talk about the more philosophies. About, uh, and we can talk more about training. We can talk about more nutrition, and then we can turn around and you can expand on uh, talking about insulin. I'll get those six kilos on by next time. Okay. Yeah. What do you mean? Uh, six kilos in six days. Yeah. Now you, you said you want the fifty pounds, right? Yeah. Six yeah. Days. Yeah. Something like that. You know, it's easy fifty pounds. Yeah. Uh, honey. Yes. What What is the biggest gain you have from contest to contest, like stage weight, on anyone? Do you know, Derek? Derek. Now this year, yes. how how heavy? How heavy was he? Oof. Around two thirty. So he went from two eleven and three quarters to about almost around two thirty give or take, I got to go look and see the notes from, from before and after, um, prejudging and see how much, uh, cause most of the guys will lose a little bit of weight, more weight from Friday to Saturday, but I have to go look right around that two thirty mark, but that's the biggest one year jump. And for me, cause maybe you said it publicly, but I didn't hear you. So when was decision made to go to, to open rather than two twelve after Pittsburgh? For sure. After Pittsburgh, because he was still dieting to try to keep his weight down. So, I don't know if you heard the story, but he was supposed to be closer to 230 in the off season so that we can be more seasoned at 212 because we were going to do one more year of 212. And then after that, we were going to decide if we were going to go open, but he was going to do it for more one more year. He was only on 100 to 150 grams of carb. Excuse me. So that's why when he was doing the cardio and the dieting, it so far out in May, April, May, it was so that he would stay leaner and keep his weight down because he has a natural tendency to try to blow up because he can eat like a machine, right? There's no person on this planet that I have met that can eat like Derek when his, his he's got one of those appetites and it's very, very important because I talk about it a lot is how well you end up maximizing your digestion is, has a lot to do with how you grow and yeah. he can eat. And so I had to keep his carbs really low all through the off season. Because he said two thirty, but what was he on the stage in Pittsburgh? Two fifty. Hmm. I don't know. He lies. I think he said it was what two fifty seven. Yeah, he will two fifty two to two fifty seven on, on in Pittsburgh. Two fifty. <laughs> yeah, he lies because he lied to me. He told me that it that was, was like two forty nine. It was on the podcast when he, he shared that. One. Yeah, and then because he, he just started scratching his head and he was like, it, like yeah, he tells he tells partial truths. I'm not going to call it a yeah. lie. He, he because he was telling me two fifty. I'm like, what are you weighing? Two fifties. Yeah, and. 
250s. And it was like rough range. And then next thing you know, ah, 50, 250 and then six, you know? And then yeah, it was like, when they say that two uh, low 50s, high 40, <laughs> <laughs> it's just 275. <laughs> it's all rounding error, you know? But, uh, but yeah, so he was right around that 250 mark or 56, maybe after he ate for the day versus being fasted in the morning weight versus yeah. after about five, six pounds heavier at night. Legs, legs in that guest posing. I mean, uh, that picture of a front row vibes, is, the legs look humongous. I mean, seriously. So I, I don't know. Uh, I wasn't there. Chris Cormier was there. Uh, I think Daniel James was there. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, he was the by far most impressive guy on the stage and looked like the biggest one. And uh, you, you had a major lineup. So that put thing, uh, things in perspective. So I'm I'm looking forward to see what uh, he brings. So he, if he was too turny, what do you expect? I know it's a stupid question. It's a stupid question. I hate when people ask me <laughs> how much you think he's going to wait. You know? But, but then again, this is I the, mean, the Milos fan part. Yeah. He's like, okay, yeah. well, this is the a stupid question. Out. This fan's coming out. What's up, Milos? Ask the question, brother. Yeah. Because uh, you put the 10 pounds on, on Hadi, right? You're gonna put the ten pounds on on Derek. It doesn't. I, I don't. I don't choose that. You have no idea. Yeah, that's no. That's a stupid question. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's all. It's a it's, question that still needs to be asked. Though it's, it's all about quality, yeah. and at that point, it's about the look. It's like what I was talking about when you start carving somebody up, drying them out, and trying to peak them for a show. It's all about the maximizing the fullness and the dryness and being able to really gauge what's going to be the best look on that stage. So the same thing happens right now. If he gains three or four pounds, great. If he ends up gaining more than that, great. As long as the look is more impressive than the prior year. Can I just see the headlines? Actually, Hani says, Derek is going to be 250. <laughs> That's the headlines yeah. on all the YouTube videos. No, but, but probably uh, you don't even ask him for the weight. I, I tell you, honest to God truth. Mm -hmm. uh, when I start pushing uh, um, Samson, okay, we we had that off season, first off season that we really have, and push it, push it, push it. So he was, uh, you know, 300, 310, 320. So I can't even breathe. I said, like, you're still getting leaner. I mean, uh, you don't get, the, you're not getting uh, fat. Yeah, put, and then we pushed to 330, 150 kilos. Okay. Right. So we, we were maintaining this weight for a while. And then as soon as he started dieting, right, you know, that initial drop. Yes. So he lost like, uh, you know, uh, seven kilos right away. Yeah, And uh, I could see that was affecting him. And I told him, do me a favor. Don't even step on the scale. And 16-week diet, I, I never ask for the weight. I promise you this. People say, no, it's just a full of shit. Ask him. Never. I, he didn't volunteer to tell me. I'm just watching the videos, okay? Until Monday before uh, uh, Olympia, they flew in. I trained uh, legs with him, right? And that's uh, his wife came to me. I said, Milos, uh, what do you think he weighs? I said, I just see him in, in the posing room. And I mean, that was impressive. He looked way better in person than, uh, you know, when you see the video. It just, it's not the same. You know, he had to be over 290, you know, shit. He was 294.6. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that, but, but I could care less. Right. I, you know, so that's, when they that's, step on that scale, it means nothing. Right. So to me, it does. So just to give you, we can talk about this in the next episode. Oh my but gosh. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I check, I have my athletes check their weight sometimes three times a day because I, yeah. because the formulas that I use to be able to gauge kind of what I'm trying to do 
has a lot to do with that. So yeah, high tech. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if you to. call it high tech. It's just my method. I don't know if no, it's high tech, but it's. Listen, I don't use it. It's it's very good. I I like to learn more about it. So if you volunteer, yeah, I would know. drive Jay nuts. I would have Jay send me pictures in the morning and then at night and it would drive him crazy. And I loved it kind of because it tortured him. So, cause yeah. he wasn't, he wasn't used to that. Cause I think with Chris Aceto, he didn't have that structure that I had. And, um, it reminded me working with Chris Bumstead this year, reminded me a little bit with the first year I worked with Jay and in 09. And it was one of those things where it's just, they're not used to that because Ian isn't probably like I am either. So I am so meticulous with the information that I need and when I need it, it, it ah. it's, it's just like, wow, this is a lot of work. <laughs> that's what, that's what uh, Jay said, you know, because I asked him, Jay, you work with all these uh, coaches and tell me, and he points you out and then he says that you are such a fucking pain in the ass, yeah. you know, but it had to be that way. And he uh, appreciates it. You know, like, wow. And uh, that you see, maybe I'm going too easy on my guys. So, so what is it? You're asking three three times update pictures? No, a day? no. Sometimes, some sometimes it would be three times. It would be in the morning. Sometimes, sometimes it would be after training and then at night. But at least twice a day at given times, and then the wait twice a day because I have a formula of wanting to know where I extrapolate weight versus conditioning at certain times of the prep, where I end up actually creating an idea of where I want that person at four weeks at three weeks and what the Delta is from the morning weight to the nighttime weight. And then that is processed within my formula of how I want that person to look. Damn. <laughs> Damn like, wow. Shit. You got some stuff to cover okay. episode too. Yeah. Yeah. God damn. That, that, that goes, there goes the bro science and it comes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, well, that, you, you wanted to ask me a question. I told you I'd answer it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would like to uh, find out the more details. Listen, everybody can learn from that. I mean, Jesus Christ, uh, uh, honey, that that's like something special. Um, you know, I, I don't want to. It's an unhealthy obsession. Me now, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that that's going to put me into the thinking mode. Exactly. What can you possibly do? So I, I didn't do it that way. All the respect. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. We'll talk more about it. I think this is going to be a really good food for thought for those listeners. We want to make yeah. it really, really special for them. So again, thank you again for your time. Cause I want to be able to continue this conversation. Anytime. Thank All you right, so guys. much. Hani Rambod, Mila Sarjev, and we have the wonderful Austin <laughs> and, and that's the truth. <laughs>